what is good everybody man hey i appreciate y'all tuning in man already a bunch of people in here it was a wild week three man i this was the first week all season that i did not have to travel so i got a great opportunity to watch all the games live i got to really watch a lot more games than i was used to um live and i really really enjoyed it and it was a great weekend to do so i mean from the 11 a.m. kickoffs all the way up until the North Dakota State Arizona game that I don't think it ended till almost one o'clock in the morning, uh, depending on what time zone you were in. Man, listen, those uh, those uh, th- those late kickoffs on the West Coast are tough, man. Um, especially when it's like the number one team in the country, you have to stay up and watch it. That thing didn't didn't kick off to 11 p.m. Eastern time. Um, on on FS1. So uh, hopefully you guys got to stay up. There was a lot of action from the FBS to the FCS level, man. But this is our FCS recap. I took a look at the poll before I went live. It seemed almost a almost as a consensus pick that North Carolina Central had the most impressive performance this weekend mm-hmm. as they defeated uh, number 25, New Hampshire. And just to kind of give you all an update, man, um, listen, 15 and 0 the past two weeks on picks on our website. Um, we were 8 and 0 this week. So if you're looking to put some money, money on a game and everything, listen, check out our FCS predictions on our website. It really, really good stuff there, man. 15 and 0 the past two weeks. Definitely gonna hang my hat on that one. Let me get to some of your comments, man, before we um before we start, before we get into all these games, I really want to talk about there was a re- there was a reason I wanted to see Mark Pope on kickoffs and wide receiver. He is electrifying. Listen, Mark Pope played well. Uh, Jackson State's whole team played well. Um, you mentioned Aubrey Miller here led the team in tackles. Was really the the driving force behind that defense. Man, Sean, I think you're talking about the Allcorn State Channel. I'm gonna do some more work with the Common Man Podcast. Y'all go subscribe to them. They are the pregame show of uh for, for all corn man they do a great job over there look for look for more stuff coming with my voice in the background and things like that on their channel um so i addressed kevin's comment already in here listen uh the alabama transfer was able to play based on what i was told he had some sort of special waiver from the <clears throat> from the NCAA that allowed him to play immediately and that is why you saw him this weekend i don't know his you know specific situation but i know he had some something happen behind the scenes where the NCAA ruled him eligible on some sort of um some sort of special um case ruling or something like that so that's why you saw him play i'm not sure if the usc guy has it or not from what i was told he doesn't but we'll see going into next week um sonic boom said we shouldn't get too worked up over one game let's give it a couple weeks see see how things go for southern texas southern alcorn and NH, um, man, definitely like and share, man. Get the likes up. Definitely share the stream. Hey, man, uh, my guy went to Tucson to see the Bison play out there. Uh, man, that fourth and two call was huge. I don't know how I felt about it. If you watch that game, I want you to let me know how you felt about it. I really thought North Dakota State should take a field goal. I don't know if they trusted their kicker from that distance. I don't remember what it would be. I know it would be over 40 something yard field goal there. I really thought they should take the points, make that a seven point game. And then you're looking at an overtime. And I don't know if Arizona could have stopped that run game with Hunter Lipke from the 25 yard line. And then two point conversions, man, they would have just ran it straight down their throat. They were averaging almost six, seven yards a carry. Um, so I, I don't know how I like that play call there, uh, but I'll, I'll get y'all's opinion on it. Hey man, appreciate you Reese for tuning in. Uh, let's see. Hey, I love it. 
NCCU is real. Texas Southern can play well if coached up. That's what I took from the HBCU side of football. Listen, man, no rain delays this weekend. I'm traveling to Incarnate Word and uh, Southeastern Louisiana this weekend. Then I'll be at North Carolina Central Campbell the next weekend. So fingers crossed um, that there are no rain delays. Yeah, it ended about uh, 1230, uh, 10, 10 o'clock Pacific time. That is crazy. Miss Body, listen, I'm rocking the hoodie. Listen, Texas Southern, Texas Southern, um, is the, the, the we'll get to that, Miss Body. I, I got the uh, Miss Angie. I got that game on um on the docket. We're gonna get to that in just a second, man. Richard is the truth. I, I completely agree. Blue on the humble. Yeah, we fifteen and zero on the website. It, that's a fact. That's a fact. UIW Texas Southern in the building. You called the NCCU upset. Um, Alcorn beat McNeese. Now we're not. I, I don't have um I don't have that game on here. So I'll talk about it real quick. Listen, the that that all corn game was was big. They jumped up twenty one nothing. McNeese stormed back late, but um, all corn was able to hang on there. The run game, I really liked um, the way Allen played at the quarterback spot. If all corn state can be consistent on the offensive side of the football, they could be special. They really and truly could be special, in my opinion. I think right now, when you're looking at that West Division. Alcorn State looks like the most consistent team over there, especially with what happened with Texas Southern Southern last weekend and what we've seen with Grambling for two out of the first three weekends. Right now, you're looking at Alcorn State as the favorites in that West Division with a close loss to Stephen F. Austin. They looked really, really good this weekend against McNeese. We're going to see what Alcorn looks like. I think right now they have to be they, they have to be um, the favorite. Well, you mentioned on a couple of prior shows that you wanted to see Aubrey Miller tackle in open space. He's done really well. I think I've seen I've seen the development with Aubrey Miller, and that's something that um, that's something that I'm really proud to see. And it, it really speaks to the coaching and the training that that he's received and done in the offseason. I thought this past weekend he played really well. When you look at the one explosive play where Maurice Washington busted it for like 60, 70 yards. A lot of the starters weren't in that front seven. I was called by a parent of a, of a defensive player by Jackson State and said to go back and watch the film. And all they pulled Niles, they pulled Aubrey, they pulled a lot of the starting front seven, I guess, just for rest. And that's when Maurice hit that big explosive play. So I think other than that, the front seven played well. But, man, Aubrey seems to have taken a step forward. And I, I'm really interested to see, Brandon, where his draft stock falls at the end of the season. But right now he's played sideline to sideline like he did last weekend. I mean, last year, and I think he's um I think he's taking a big step forward in just in terms of his overall game. App State has some G's. Man, App State is lucky. Listen, I have never, I have never in my life seen it's so hard to hit a Hail Mary that doesn't get to the end zone and still score. That is just insane, man. App State deserved it. I loved it. Week four in the swag is gonna be insane. March, mark my words. There's some big games this week, uh, Reese. I, I'm excited. I just want to know why Shador wasn't pl- was still playing in the fourth quarter. We're going to get to that, Haley. I got some takes. Listen, there were there were a lot of there were a lot of storylines in the um just just in terms of what what was going on post game and even in the halftime speech. I, I was watching the game, not really focused on social media. I was trying to get tweets out about all these games, but man, Coach Prime had Twitter going berserk. 
absolutely berserk. I mean, with the halftime comments, with the postgame comments about the fans, the band, everything like that. I mean, I've seen some outrageous takes on social media today that somehow it even got twisted into Shador is still getting started due to Daddy Bowl. I don't know how that stems from any of the comments that he made postgame, but Man, it, it, we'll, I'll get y'all's thoughts when y'all call in. Man. I'm going to open up the call lines here in a second. Uh, the call line number is 701-779-9585. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, y'all's thoughts on some of the comments that were made and, and some of the dis- coaching decisions that were made. I'll finally be meeting with the A&M JSU game memories. I'll definitely catch up with you there. I was supposed to be in Huntsville this weekend, but I had something come up. But um, I'm definitely going to be in Mobile, man. That's where I'm recording now. That's where I live. Morgan, we are QB one QB away from winning the Miac. Miac Mike. Morgan State was one of my four top FCS performing teams of the week. Man, Morgan looked good, and that that's a game that um I'm I'm going to talk about um to today for sure. The halftime comments weren't as bad as people said. I I agree. Um, I, I don't think I didn't I didn't take his comments um especially the halftime comments at the, the way a lot of people did. I think. I understand. Okay, so I, question. Um, I understand why people were upset about it because it, he kind of did take a shot at their teams per se. But for me, man, like he has expectations for his team, just as any coach does, and that, that's it. And 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 they weren't playing up to their potential. They weren't. I mean, listen, I told y'all, I, I thought this was going to be a blowout coming into this weekend. Jackson State on paper had a much better team. Um. Had a much better team than Grambling, and I think he it everyone kind of was shell shocked going into halftime, only up by four. And for me, I don't. Here's how I look at it: Would anybody in the SEC get mad if Saban said those comments? Would anybody in the Big Ten get mad if Jim Harbaugh said those comments, or Lincoln Riley in the Pac-12, or Dave Aranda in the Big Twelve? Any coach across the country, if someone said that, would it have the same reaction that it did? Um, that that the way prom said it listen the fact of the matter is he's recruited at a high level that team on paper should be smacking everybody in the swag and it shouldn't even be close and i for for me i did i just felt like people took it the wrong way and really got in their feelings over nothing in my opinion i mean at, listen, the post-game comments might have been a little bit different i talked to some jsu people some parents of players that said Listen, I'm a parent of a player. It was so hot in Jackson that it, that if we were getting put 60 on us, I would have left too. And so I think the post-game comments, well, I, I really don't have an opinion. I wasn't there. But the halftime comments, I think people took out of context and got real upset about that. It was a little bit ridiculous. The post-game comments, I think, were a much more valid reason to kind of re- respond. But I'll, I'll leave it at that, man. I'll, I'll get y'all's thoughts um, as y'all call in. Um, listen, PV played well. Uh, that's another game I want to get into. PV's defense is legit, D. Um, I, I was very, very impressed with how PV played. They slowed down uh, Lindsey Scott Jr. They slowed down Chafin and Taylor Grimes at the wide receiver spot. The one question I have about PVD is if they can establish the run game more consistently 
PV could compete to go back to the SWAT championship. It's just the problem is I don't know if the QB play is good enough where if you shut down the run, can the quarterback go win you a game? And that's my one question for, for PV. But I thought overall PV played an amazing game against Incarnate Word. And PV played Incarnate Word closer than Nevada and Southern Illinois did, Nevada being an FBS school, and Southern Illinois having the only FCS over FBS upset this weekend. I thought PV had an excellent showing, holding Incarnate Word to 31. Now, I know at the end they took out Lindsey Scott early in the fourth quarter. I don't know if they would have put up any more points, but I still think at the end of the day, PV played a great game. Bubba McDowell had a great defensive game plan, and I think PV deserves credit for how well they played early against a very, very talented incarnate word team, which I think is going to break into the top five this week, tomorrow um, in the FCS top 25. Man, I'm making predictions on my preview. My preview show will be Wednesday, Chris, um, and I'll, I'll be making all my predictions on there. I got Central by ten against Campbell. Man, I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be interested in that game. I'll be at that one. The more I see Valley play in their field, I think they belong in D two. Is that a disrespectful take? I don't think um, I don't think that's a disrespectful take. Now, I watched a little bit of the Valley game. Now, I do want to say the Juco quarterback that they brought in looked like the real deal when they finally put him in. And I think that is an indictment on Vincent Dancy and that co- and that offensive coaching staff, the fact that they put him in and he looked so good after you swore up and down that that, that your guy was Eason and that your guy was uh, was it TJ Goodwin's the other kid. I mean, those two guys didn't look, did not look like they could hold a candle to what the other quarterbacks to what the other quarterback did in Jamari Jones. Uh, Valley to me is in a really really weird spot because this weekend I, I talked to I talked to some Jackson State people. He was like, man, I don't think anyone's really going to show up to that game next weekend. He was like, there is no reason to go watch what's about to happen in Jackson next week. I mean, it's going to be disrespectfully hard to watch. If if Jackson played at their full potential and did not and did not lift their foot off the pedal, they could put 70 on Valley next week and it'd be like 70 to 3 and it wouldn't even be close. So listen, if you're asking me for a full preview like an individual episode where I preview that Jackson game this weekend, it's not coming. I'm not previewing Jackson State Valley. It is not worth it is not worth a full breakdown just because I think that game is going to be it's not going to be interesting to watch in the slightest. And so no individual uh, pregame for that one, but I will cover it on my FCS preview on Wednesday. He was talking about playing up to potential. He's <laughs> all corns homecoming game against Texas Southern will be epic. If people got mad because he told his team y'all playing down, that's a damn fact. Uh, Saban, uh, rip, <laughs> dude, man, Saban will go berserk on uh, like all weekend. Let's see, I got 50 on AM beating FAMU in Bragg. Mm. In Bragg, that, that's tough. That's t- if if they if they go into Bragg and beat FAMU, that is a horrible, horrible look for um. That's a horrible look for for fam. I, I'm not going to lie. I think Alcorn is playing Texas Southern for homecoming on the reservation. Um, a lot of people was passing out in the heat. Man, it looked hot on TV. I'm going to be honest with you. I went there. I live in Mobile. I know how hot it can get in the South. Man, it looked hot. Maybe it was those uh, bright yellow and red jerseys that they were wearing, but it looked hot on TV. Campbell lost to, uh, lost yesterday. Yeah, uh, Campbell lost to uh, East Carolina. Um, or, or something like that ECU so um, 
I, I'm not surprised, Wayne. They weren't going to beat an FBS school. Just, just in my, just in my opinion. Let's see, Valley versus JSU uh, going to be. It's not. It's not going to be insane. It's going to be. It's going to be sad. Uh, folks have to understand that P- Coach Prime understands at the SCS level. You have to dominate the swipe to be very taken very seriously in the polls. I agree. He said ninety five to six. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Well, well, I'm gonna get into my preview after this one, Aaron. I knew this question was coming um, on the show today. Listen, Auburn is lucky that that they that they don't pull. Uh, listen, they are horrible. Auburn, Auburn, in my opinion, is the second worst team in the SEC, right above Vandy. They are atrocious this year. Um, n- no positivity coming for me about Auburn, man. And there are already plans to let Harson uh, walk out the back door, especially if they lose to Missouri or LSU in these next two weeks, man. But that's uh. That's where I'm going to leave it, man. Auburn is atrocious this year, man. But let's get into players of the week real quick. Um, man, the, the number one player of the week on the offensive side is Tim DeMorat from Fordham, man. 464 passing yards and five passing touchdowns this weekend and a huge win over the CAA um, team, Albany. Man, Tim DeMorat leads the, leads the FCS in passing touchdowns and passing yards. Man, he went berserk again this past weekend. And Tim DeMora right now is making a case for to be the best quarterback at the FCS level right now, man. He is going crazy um, this season, man. Nolan Henderson, Delaware quarterback, 379, four passing touchdowns and completed 85% of his passes in a top in a top 20 win over Rhode Island. Man, Nolan Henderson was the offense this past weekend. And I, I was extremely impressed with Delaware. They were my they were my number two team of the week, man. And Nolan Henderson was one of my key factors on why I picked them. I thought that he was the he was the missing piece last year due to the fact he missed the entire season. I think Nolan Henderson right now has Delaware playing good enough that they can make another run back to the semifinals, which they were that which they were in back in the spring season. And then finally the last honorable mention here. Bronson, Bronson Yoder, William and Mary running back, 134 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns, and over seven and a half yards per carry was 0.1 yards away from averaging eight yards per carry in a 34 to seven win over Lafayette. Uh, Yoder has been a major key to William and Mary's success. They're a top 15 team right now in the country, and and he he has been the main factor on the offensive side of the football, regardless of how well everyone else has played. Bronson Yoder has done it in a variety of ways out of the backfield and really being a, a, a workhorse at, at that running back spot for William and Mary. Now, my honorable mention, of course, is Shador. Um, the only reason Shador is not up here is because I don't like to pick all quarterbacks because I feel like there's a big position bias. So I always try to do two quarterbacks and then one skill position player because I feel like the skill skill position players never win this award because people are so quarterback biased. So that's the only reason Shador didn't make it. Tim DeMoret was the, was my consensus pick. Nolan Henderson and Shador fought for that second QB spot. But due to the fact they had similar stats, but Henderson was more efficient against a better team, I went I went with Nolan Henderson over Shador. And then Bronson Yoder was my um, skill position player of the week. Um, yeah, uh, my skill position player of the week for a running back or a wide receiver. Now, defensive was tough, man. There were some absolute dog performances man on the defensive side of the football this week um listen nate 
Nate Lazevichek, I believe is how you say it. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Listen, there's a reason I didn't make it into Harvard at college. But listen, Nate over here in Harvard's first game, Harvard, the Ivy League kicked off on Friday night, Harvard versus Merrimack. Seven total tackles, four and a half sacks, and four and a half tackles for loss, and another two QB hurries. Nate here ranks top five in the FCS in total sacks for the season and has played three, two or three less games than everybody else in the country. This guy is the real deal for Harvard coming off the edge, man. Four and a half sacks in a season opening win on Friday night. Um, this guy deserved it. Now, John Pius for William & Mary, outside linebacker, eight total tackles, three and a half sacks, four tackles for loss, and another two QB hurries as William & Mary picked up a big win over Lafayette this weekend. This is the second straight week a William & Mary player has made my defensive player of the week. Jalen Jones, with his three interceptions last week, was on this list too. But listen, John Pius was an absolute monster this weekend across from Nate Lynn, who was an FCS All-American, but he deserved the nod here. Patrick O'Connell gets my last spot. Nine total tackles, three for loss, two and a half sacks, and a forced fumble. And Patrick O'Connell was a major part in Montana winning another huge game this weekend, 42-14 to 14, um, over Indiana State. So Patrick O'Connell gets my... Um, gets gets my last one yeah um but so now with all the advanced analytics you can get a you can um there's certain sites and certain teams that do have a category for qb hurries um miss angie and i really like it because i think a lot of defensive linemen get hurt by the fact that if they don't pad the stat box with sacks tackles for loss or anything people think they weren't effective but qb hurries can be extremely effective and you can just be a second late but that quarterback could see you coming around the corner and you can therefore force an incompletion or force a bad play that might turn into a pick six an interception whatever you want to say so i do i do think it's good that they added the stat of qb hurries because in my in my opinion i think it really really helps the linebackers and defensive linemen um really have more stats because it's so hard to quantify sometimes when a guy had a major impact on a game when um you know w- when he doesn't rack up the sacks or or anything like that so man just to recap real quick Tim Demoret, Nolan Henderson, Bronson Yoder are my three offensive players of the week this week. Nate Lazevichek, John Pius, and Patrick O'Connell are my three defensive players of the week man this will be a weekly thing article will be out tomorrow morning breaking breaking more down on these three guys and their performances this weekend. Um, and let's get to some FBS FCS games before we start breaking down some of our FCS games of the week. Uh, the first one, man, Missouri State. Missouri State had, I think, listen, regardless of what FCS teams fan you were, you were tuned in, man, really rooting on Missouri State to pull off the top 10 upset of Arkansas. It would only be the second time an FCS school knocked off a top 10 FBS team going back to that App State upset over um, over Michigan, man. This is the, this this is oh man, this is a good idea. Leon, I'm, you might be onto something. I'm, I'm gonna design like a player of the week, you know, some something to to send these players. Man, I like that, Leon. I, I'm, a, I'm a star. This comment, and I'm, I'm gonna do that. That's, a, that's a good idea. I'm gonna have to backtrack it. 
um, and, and send some of the players I picked last week so, some merch for that. But listen, Missouri State played really, really well. They had a double-digit lead in the second half, man, and Arkansas returned a punt late in that fourth quarter that really broke things open. But it was Bobby Petrino's return to Fayetteville in Arkansas. Jason Shelley went crazy, and this, this was a great opportunity for Jason Shelley to establish himself as one of the top FCS quarterbacks in the upcoming NFL draft. And they they have what it takes. And I know a lot of people down me for this going into the preseason. I think Missouri State has the offense. We'll see about what their what their front seven looks like against some of these top FCS schools. They have the offense and the talent at the at the skill positions to go win a national championship at the FCS level. They they look impressive. And Bobby Petrino, in my opinion, is going to be a candidate to probably first a few FBS jobs. I'll say that. Listen, we've heard for coach prom. We've heard Mike mentor. We've heard uh, Matt Entz from North Dakota state. All three of those guys have been mentioned as um, potential candidates for some of the power five FPS jobs in the country that are, that potentially could be open. Bobby Petrino, in my opinion, is going to be mentioned as one of those candidates for, for one of these jobs. So we'll see how that turns out. My, our one upset of the week, Southern Illinois getting the 31 to 24 win over Northwestern in a Big Ten upset. This was shocking to me. I bragged on my record earlier. I'm going to be honest with you all. I did not see this coming. Just to kind of put it in perspective and for you guys, Southern Illinois is 0-2 this year coming into this game with with big losses. They lost they lost by 40 points to Incarnate Word and then got beat by uh, Southeast Missouri State. And they come into this game and beat a beat a damn Northwestern team on the road and, and a, a Big Ten team. This this was impressive. This, in my opinion, this was one of the most impressive FBS wins of the season for the FCS because it was a team who was a preseason top ten team that got that dropped all the way out of the out of the top twenty five. And he, they jumped in and beat a Northwestern team. I would not be surprised if they got some honorable mention votes or potentially even slid into that 25 or 24 spot after this win. We'll see what they look like in conference play, but they have to take what they showed this weekend and they got to bring that to FCS play because right now they have not done that. Now, for the game that um, I know a lot of people in the chat uh, want to talk about, man, Arizona snaps North Dakota State's six-game FBS win streak, 31-28, in an amazing game. Listen, if you didn't stay up for this game, please go back and watch the highlights because this game was worth every bit of me staying up past midnight last night. On uh, this, 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 this was a game of questionable coaching calls for North Dakota State, in my opinion. I think they had chances to win the game, but not trusting your kicker, Going forward on fourth down in inopportune times, I think um, probably cost them that game. And also, you got to give Jaden Delora um, a lot of credit. That's Jaden Delora is a Washington State transfer who's the new quarterback for Arizona. He transferred out due to some off the field issue, and that is the main reason why Cameron Ward, former Incarnate Word quarterback, is up there starting right now. And Jaden Delora went out there and made some plays, man. He had, what, 50 yards rushing, a rushing touchdown, and threw for over 230 yards on North Dakota State. North Dakota State ran the ball well. They averaged over six yards per carry. And Hunter Lipke, man, is a problem at fullback. 
is a problem at fullback. This is this kid ran for 115 yards, two touchdowns, while also catching a touchdown and led the team in receiving with 65 yards receiving. That's a big time fullback. But man, North Dakota State had their opportunities, man. But this is the one I think. Maybe y'all can correct me in the chat. This is the only time that I've ever seen an FCS school be a favorite over an FBS school. That's the only, or especially a power five school. Cause I think North Dakota state was like a two point favorite coming into this game and Arizona played a great game, got the big win. Um, but man, it's, it's probably, it's going to be interesting. I know there was a lot of analysts on the, um, there was a lot of analysts on FS1 during the game and after talking about the PAC 12, offering North Dakota State. Um, so we'll see. But, um, man, this this was an interesting game. Arizona gets the big win um, against North Dakota State. We, uh, so we got some I, – I, I know there's a game that uh, really sticks out on here, to say the least. There's a game that really sticks out on this page, and it's one that I cannot wait to talk about. I know Miss Angie – I'm going to open up the call lines, man, just so that way you can get um, – y'all's calls in here but i'm going to you be, are the only participant in the conference i'm going to be interested to see y'all's takes on this game because i didn't see it coming but real quick man north dakota escapes uh with a 27 24 victory over uh northern arizona north dakota ran the ball extremely well but man northern arizona when you look at the when you look at the box score probably should have won this game man they they went out there and looked extremely, extremely efficient. But listen, I got to give Tyler Hoosman, I mentioned him in my article, as a as an absolute amazing running back this year. Averaged eight and a half yards per carry, 102 yards rushing. Really made the difference for North Dakota as they escape Northern, Nor- Northern Arizona with a three-point win. Furman as well, 27-14 win over number 18 ETSU. ETSU goes from defending SoCon champs, preseason top 10 team, to dropping out of the top 25 this week, or they're going to. Tyler Huff for Furman played an amazing game, 218 through the air, two touchdowns, while also running for 98 yards. The defense for Furman played really, really well in this game. Ryan Hugh, Bryce McCormick had big games for the Furman defense, but huge win for Furman. They jump into my top 25, which we're going to go over at the end of the show today. Man, I really wanted to recap some of these games first, but it's time to talk about Two games that I think showed me more about two teams than anything else this weekend. Texas Southern 24 to nothing over Southern and Morgan State. Morgan State in year one of the Damon Wilson era goes out there and defeats the defending NEC conference champions 24 to nine, a team that was in the playoffs last year and was a hell Mary away from beating Holy cross going to the second round. Both of these games were absolutely amazing, man. I, I cannot believe what I was watching, but let's get into the Texas Southern game first. Vincent Dooley. Or, or I mean, not Vincent, I mean, Eric Dooley deserves to be on the hot seat. I'm sorry. It, it you went out. I just want to. I just want to remind everyone. You went out against Texas Southern and that defense, and they shut you out. Not a point. Not a not a sniff of the red zone. Not, not you. You didn't even. You didn't even cross the end zone. Like you could not cross 
into the end zone against Texas Southern, man. Yeah, man, Leon, listen, that that's that's how little right now they can do Dooley, man. He he don't even get his name. Man, that is atrocious. Listen, uh, the quarterback battle has to be reopened. But Bashan McCray, three interceptions, less than 200 yards passing. I mean, what do you want? And here's 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 the biggest indictment on the whole offense. Where was that potent rushing attack that we saw against the D two and against the D two D two team in LSU? What happened to running the football? Where where were all? Where was this deep talented running back room that everyone was talking about? Where was it? Uh, Jared Sims, Kendrick Rhymes, Carl Liggett, where are your where were your workhorses in there? Where was Kobe Dillon? Like the fact that Bashan McCray led your team with 95 yards rushing is an indictment on everything, man. Yeah, my bad, Paris. An NAIA team. An NAIA team. 86 to nothing, and then you get shut out by Texas Southern 24 nothing. That is that is crazy. That is crazy to me. But listen, this isn't just a rip Southern. I need to give Coach McKinley and this Texas Southern team their credit. I wore I wore my Andrew Body hoodie and, and everything today because they deserve it. This this game, in my opinion, really really showed what this Texas Southern team could be. And Andrew Body played well, 16 to 22, 186, and two touchdowns. And then on top of that, this is the biggest indictment on the Southern defense. They didn't even run the ball well. Ladarius Owens had six carries. That was their best running back. Their best running backs had six, had six carries, and they you still had no answer for the offense. And I, I do, I do want to give one one player credit. He really jumped out to me. I really didn't notice him till this weekend, and that's Whitfield uh, for Southern at the wide receiver spot. I do think he he has some potential at the wide receiver spot. Man, had almost a hundred yards receiving, but man, I do I want to give my guy Derek Morton for Texas Southern credit at the wide receiver spot too. He looked he looks like a legit wide receiver one for Texas Southern. And that was one of my biggest question marks coming into the season was who's going to replace all the, all those wide receivers who left for Texas Southern Morton looks legit. I still have questions who emerges behind him. I think AJ Bennett was the other guy who got the touchdown, but Derek Morton looks like a legit wide receiver one for Texas Southern. Now I want to see how the rest of that wide receiving core develops, but they did a great job getting the ball out of Andrew body's hands. He did a, he did a great job in a very, very crucial game for Texas Southern because if they lose this game after what happened against PV week one, Texas Southern is in a very, very uncomfortable position and there is an uncomfortable, comfortable conversation to be had about Clarence McKinley's job security and they went out and they answered it with a resounding shutout against Southern who was who was voted um they were voted to win this division and in the conference opener <laughs> get shut out by Texas Southern I just I just want to remind people about what that is. And I, I do want to give uh Tariq Cooper a lot of credit too and Michael Atkins this is a name that uh, listen. I did not know coming into this game. I knew the you know the the new like Tyler Martinez, Cooper, uh, Perry Wells because I had them on the show. But man, Michael Atkins, 
really showed out and he he showed up big time five total tackles two for loss two sacks and was a mainstay in that front seven for texas southern and i gotta give my god listen he came on this show he came on this show and told you guys what he was going to do and that's isaiah hamilton at the at the defensive back spot there he's their number one corner he has been locked down this season you can say what you want about the overall defensive performance over the first three weeks of the season. Isaiah Hamilton right now is one of the highest rated defenders in the country at the FCS level. He has been playing lights out football when he is on that outside of this Texas Southern defense. So I got to give Isaiah Hamilton a lot of credit at the corner spot. Perry Wells gets his first interception. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was on the show, but he also had the viral video where he had to, he told his dad about, um, getting his scholarship and it was um it it, it was one of the best videos of the all season and I gotta give a big shout out to my guy Perry Wells. Tyler Martinez did his thing on the inside, but I, I gotta know, man, where does Southern go from here? Because I know where Texas Southern goes from here. Te- Texas Texas Southern is gonna take this win and you got to build on it. hang on. We got Coach Green on the line. We, we are going to finally hear what Coach Green has to say about this uh Big letdown. We are going to Coach Green. Here. You're live, man. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need some uh, explanation on what happened this weekend. The tournament was was big, and the four going for still going. I, I I just need to know was our kicker hurt or something because we kept on going for it on fourth down when we was in field goal range. So I, I'm wondering about that, but. They, hey, they they won, but we didn't really run the ball like we should because Carl was averaging four four yards a carry, and we could have kept on feeding him because he had fifty seven yards rushing off twelve carries, and I don't know why we didn't use Sims, and I think Kobe Dillon must be hurt because I haven't seen him play not not even the blowout game against the NAIA school, so I'm wondering if, if he hurt. So I might have to ask BJ about that. But they won, man. That's all I can say. They won. We we just – but I'm always say we fine because one thing about the sweat, it could be this one day, like where we at now, and next thing you know, everything could change. Because we, we, got, we got three games coming up. What's your – What's your prediction now? You guys were voted to win the conference. Do you really think this team can make it to the SWAC championship game? I still believe it. I still believe it. Because, hey, the game is the, the game is me, uh, made to be played on the field. So I still believe it. Until, until we lose our next game, I believe it. Because that's all it's going to take. Every, each game. I'm looking for us to win. I'm looking for us to win three games in a row before we play uh, Lynchburg. Okay. Do you think – okay, the last question, man. Do you think Bashan McCray is the guy for QB1? Or do you think Dooley needs to open back up that competition and try to find someone who can really push the ball down the field and take care of the football? Um. I'm questioning. I'm questioning him. I'm really am questioning him because I really was questioning him when I watched him play the LSU game. 
I was kind of worried then after watching him play LSU because he didn't really show nothing. That's fair. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Watching the game, because I rewatched the game and, and kind of got a second opinion on it. I mean, the, last year, I thought they caught you guys where y'all y'all mm-hmm. were overlooking them a little bit. This year, they look like the better team. And I think that's a that, that that's a bigger issue moving forward than than it was last year. But but I can say this though. This is what I can say about that. Texas Southern had from the jump from coming out the door, they had the tougher schedule. And I feel like all that did was make them better because if you pay attention to the game they played, they they actually improved. From the PV to the North Texas game, they actually improved. And I'm always worried about Andrew Body, man. That was see, you always got to worry about him. Even though I was like Andrew, nobody just for the Southern game. Even though I, I love the kid, but only when we play when they play us, I, I'm going against them. But he he always worried me, man. No matter what. And then you know you know how swag play is, man. The games always wind up different once we start playing beating up on each other. Hey, uh, that's fair. Listen, it's the first game, and I mean, if we're judging off the first game, Texas Southern looked real, real bad um, in their first game when PV was running up and down mm-hmm. the field on them. So we'll see, but there's no room, there's no like growing pain room anymore with Southern. Like they're gonna have to win out, especially with how oh, yeah. the Alcorn you looks. Because Alcorn got looks to. good. And the first game starts starts with uh, Arkansas Pine Buff. If that's not a win, you guys should be Arkansas Palm Bluff by no less than twenty. If if it's anything less than that, I got serious question marks about Southern moving forward. I would too. I would too. But it's gonna start with the QB play because our defense was actually decent. The QB play is the key to winning the swag. That is the key because that's what that's how. PV got there because even though Pass wasn't the best of the best, he was good enough to get you to the championship. That's a fact. And, yeah, I mean, he choked it. it he choked in that, that game. Man. But uh, I got a question for you, though. Okay. The th- uh, well, first I've got a statement about P- the PV game. I'm disappointed in the game because Conley got hurt because I want to see what Conley could have done. But he got hurt early in the game, man, and I wish he would have finished it so I could see what he would have actually done. I agree. I, and, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if Incarnate Word took out um, Scott just for precautionary reasons or, you know, mm-hmm. they were just trying not to run up the score, but – I'm worried about him because I'm going to see him this weekend against Southeastern Louisiana. If he's hurt, I got uh, I, I got to see what that team's going to be like because I think when they took him out, that offense did not look the same. And he got hit a lot against PV because uh, you know his knee got he got that big big old brace on his around his knee. So I'm, I'm I was wondering about him because he got hit a lot. Yeah, we'll see. But what's your question? Oh, why do you? Why didn't? Why are people better against 
North Carolina Central when they played New Hampshire? Because why were they like thirteen points favorite? Because I tweeted out this off season, the the MEAC was like two and sixteen or three and seventeen against the CAA, and New Hampshire was Mm -hmm. probably a top six ish maybe five ish depending on how you want to rank it caa team right now they just got ranked they look great in their first two games had two big wins in the um to start the season and also the the line the the line setters for fcs football really do not look at fcs football and i think it was a combination of history not knowing how good central looked and on top of that, I think New Hampshire was a little bit overrated. If you remember, I didn't have New Hampshire in my um, top 25 last week. I didn't believe in them. I did not believe in them. They were one-dimensional, in my opinion. They only had that running back. Central took him away, and Davis Richard is legit. And in my opinion, it's him and Shador, and then you you can rank whoever you want behind them. They are the two best quarterbacks in HBCU football right now. And Richard looks absolutely legit. And due to his measurables, I'm interested to see what his NFL stock's going to be after this season. Yeah, because he got, he, got nice, he got a nice throwing motion. Nice. He can throw with power. He can throw with touch. And then plus he can run the ball. So he, yeah. he's dangerous all faces. Yeah, he led the team in rushing. He had like um, 140 rushing yards this past weekend. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, they yeah. should be ranked this this week. And I know, I know, Sam Herter didn't have him in his top 25. I need an explanation from him because there are not 25 teams right now better than North Carolina Central. Well, he needs to sit down and, and actually watch the game, and then come with a clear judgment because that's one of the issues because if they're going if they if we fcs they need to watch all fcs games especially if the team is rolling like north carolina and they was like a team to watch and that's one of the things i give you a lot of credit for you watch everybody so no no matter what you say every time you say something you have facts behind everything and you, and you have facts behind every team hey i appreciate you man hey, listen if i know i'm talking about a team I'm watching film on that team and trying to, you know, get my head around everyone. But, man, Coach Green, these call lines are going crazy now, man, but I appreciate you calling in. All right, man. One zero two seven, you're live. Hey, Blue, how you doing, man? What's good, man? Where do you go from here if you're valid? Ah, man, that, listen, Valley is in a very bad place because <laughs> they – you can't fire Dancy. That's the – start off with that because who are you going to hire? And I think Dancy is actually a good coach, and they just extended him. What do you do? I mean, he's got no resources. They have no funding. It's just, I don't know. And and the way it was put to me by someone who is close to the Valley program is as much as NDSU is masquerading as an FCS program, 
they said Valley is masquerading as an FCS program. And yeah, I think that's, that's exactly what I was going. Uh, they should be B2. The problem is, is uh, with all the history behind the school, it, with, I don't think I don't ever see the swag moving them down to D2 or that university making that decision. Oh man, that's that's so tough because uh, they have a really good running back. They have a really good running back, and he's just—I don't want to say he's wasting his talents there, but like you're getting no help from anybody on that offense. You don't I mean, have a quarterback. The the quarterback, I mean, outside of Rankin, the wide receivers don't look good. The offensive line looks atrocious. Um, outside of Ronnie Thomas, the defense doesn't look great. It's just, I, I don't know where you go. I mean, I said, if they lose to Delta State, you're looking at it as, do they win a game this year? And that's a legit do question they play right now. Year? Do what? Do they play PV this year? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I, I would pick PV over them right now. Oh, that's hard. Dang. I appreciate you. you hey, appreciate you, man. <laughs> Mr. Ford, you're live. Okay, listen, let me turn it down. Okay, first of all, if you're going to beat Southern twice, they beat them last week. They demoralized them, and they beat them again. Hey, uh, Mr. Ford, uh, your phone is breaking up real bad. I think we lost you there. Um, you're still pretty broken up. Listen, I'm a, um, I, hang up I'll and call, call back right in. Back. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll call you back. All right. I'm going to take this next caller and then I'll get back to Mr. Ford. Okay. Steve, you're live. It was going on, boo. What's good, man? Good. About the Arizona North Dakota State game, uh, Hunter Lemke was just like the Corey, uh, the Corey, uh, um, the South Carolina State corner against Clemson. He had he made his money. He made some money um last night with, with that game that he had. Um now you know the NFL don't have fullbacks anymore. Do you see him as a tight end like Gronk or Aaron Hernandez like type where they put him in the backfield and he catches passes on on the perimeter? Yeah, I, I got to see his blocking, but with his physicality, I could see him depending on how it works out be used similar to um a, like a Kittle or a or Mark Andrews or someone like right. that. Okay, okay, okay. And, and also if North Dakota State won the championship again, do you think this is Matt Ames last year? Yeah, probably. I think what he's been connected to the Nebraska job and any job in the Midwest that comes open, Matt Ince is gonna be a candidate for that job. So if he wins again, I wouldn't be surprised. But if I had to put a, a time frame on it, I don't see him making it at NDSU more than another two years. Someone's going to pull the trigger and bring him in. But we'll see because Chris Kleiman, not necessarily working out at K-State, could 
make people a little bit more hesitant pulling them away because they are looking at it as more of a school a, a school or scheme thing more so than um than like the coach being good it is unfair as it may be okay and also lastly um if my if my alumni fan you go nine and oh for the rest of the year you think they you think they're gonna be on get a playoff berth? I know that lost to uh Jackson State really hurt us because last year we only lost by one point and that was the deciding factor of us going to the playoffs. Now they waxed us this year. If we go if we go nine and two, do you see us with it at large? Or you think they may give no. us another a conference like the CAA? Um, they would probably give it to someone else because the playoff committee does not recognize D two wins. So you would get no credit for that Albany State win. So you would only have, what, eight wins to compare to some of these teams that might have more. They would be on the bubble, but I would, I would, not, I would not feel comfortable until looking at the other candidates around them to, to make that distinction. But if there's a similar candidate from the MVF, MVFC, CAA, or Big Sky, they're going to give it to that team over FAMU. Okay. Hey, Blue, thanks for taking my call. Keep up the progression, all right, my man? Hey, I appreciate you, man. All right. All right, we're going to go back to Mr. Ford now. All right, Mr. Ford, you're back. You're live. Okay. Yeah. Let me turn this down. Okay, first and foremost, uh, with the Southern thing, I, I did get a chance to watch the Southern game. Listen, LSU beat them twice. They beat them last week, demoralized them. They still was uh, in a funk from that whooping they took last week. See, that's why I keep telling y'all, y'all always want to run and go play Power 5 school, and then they beat you down, and it take you three and four weeks to recover. Uh, Southern didn't recover from last week. Okay, but now he, here's the thing I want to say, too, now. Looking at that Southern defense, you got all that talent and then all that bad coaching was going on. See, I told y'all last summer, I told you last summer, two people I was worried about, Harry Williams, offensive coordinator, Alabama State, that Henry Miller, defensive coordinator, Southern University. Let me tell you something. And somebody need to tell Dooley, see, that's, that, that, that stuff you did down there at Prairie View, that ain't going to rock and roll in Baton Rouge. Them people got a short, tolerance for losing in Baton Rouge. Now, I'm telling you. Now, they love you. You from uh, uh, Doolin them is from uh, New Orleans, and he spent all that time with Pete Richardson and all that, but I'm just telling you now, you got to do better than that. See, see one of the things Doolin got to do, Doolin got to cut out all his homeboy stuff. See, Henry Miller them, that's uh, that's his homeboy now. You know, he grew up with them, and everywhere he go, he got to take Henry Miller. You can keep Henry Miller, but he don't need to be your defense coordinator, because he's going to get you fired. Okay, I saw so many mistakes on that defense. But listen, Southern got all them players on defense. Let me tell you something. They X and O, the schematic part of it is terrible. That's Henry Miller. Let me tell you, fam, you, Southern, Alabama State, y'all need to go after, uh, what's that, boys? He, they all them about to get fired up that Arizona State. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Herm Edwards. He go after Marvin today. Lewis. Yeah, they all got go fired after uh, 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 Herm Edwards. 
Go after uh, Jerry Gray. See, if Dion going to bring all these NFL people, you got to match him. You got to go get NFL people too. See, Dion got Dennis Thurman, NFL, Mike Zimmerman, NFL, Alan Ricard, NFL. You got to do the same thing. You got to fight fire with fire. Listen, go get Herm Edwards. Go if you can, if you can have Ray Lewis as a analyst, get Ray Lewis. Go get uh, um, the the coach that was with him up at Arizona State. He was the coach with the Cincinnati Bengals. What's his name? Oh, uh, Marvin Lewis. Go get Marvin Lewis. That's that, that's what these school fam need to do. That Southern got to especially on, on defense. Southern is pathetic on defense. You got to go get them guys. Because that's what Dion doing. De- Dion has already told you. He want to bring in Marvin. I mean, uh, what's the big D tackle name for Tampa Bay? What's that boy's name? Uh, Warren uh, Sapp. Warren Sapp. He, he talking about bringing in Warren Sapp? You got to match him. You got to match him. So yeah, that's what I, I just want to say. But let me, say, let me tell you this. Somebody need to get with Dooley and tell him now that mediocre stuff you did out there at Prairie View, that ain't going to fly in Baton Rouge. No, 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 no. That ain't gonna work in Baton Rouge. No. Let me tell you something. Them people, that man's name was Arnett Muffet. He built a monster in uh, Baton Rouge, and they got used to winning championships, and that homeboy stuff ain't gonna work. You got to put together a solid stab. That defensive stand, he got to start with them first. He got to get that defense stand together. Because I'm telling you, it was too many mistakes made on that defense last night. And I do want to give kudos to uh, Coach McKinley. They look better and everything. But I'm just telling you now, y'all say what y'all want. LSU beat Southern twice. Beat them last year. I mean, beat them last week and beat them again this week. Listen, have a good night, okay? Appreciate you, Ms. Ford. Okay. All right, man. Let's – uh. Calling call numbers, uh, scrolling below, man. But we got some um, last set of games in the top 25 to get into, man. Hey, hit the like button, man. Over 360 of y'all in here. I appreciate y'all, man, um, for tuning in on this Sunday night. But listen, game of the week this week was Delaware, Rhode Island, the only ranked FCS matchup. And listen, Delaware came to play. I already talked about Nolan Henderson. Uh, Kyron Cumbie transferred uh, transferred in this offseason. One rushing touchdown. Averaged 9.6 yards per carry this weekend for Delaware. And that they were just able to move the football up and down the field at will. Jordan Townsend at the wide receiver spot was, was just amazing, man. Todd Davis, Kedrick Whitehead got a big pick in the red zone for Delaware. Delaware looks legit, and I think right now they're putting together a resume that is going to earn them a bye week in the FCS playoffs, especially if they go out there and win the CAA. Delaware is a team to watch, in my opinion. But listen, now we got to talk about North Carolina Central. I just want to let y'all know I've had them ranked. This is the third consecutive week I've had them ranked in my top 25. I was the only FCS expert to – Pick North Carolina Central to win this game. They were 13-point underdogs to New Hampshire this weekend. And they went out there on the road against a CAA team and won 45-27, to 27, man. North Carolina Central looks legit, man. Davis Richards, 
Um, 194 yards passing, two passing touchdowns. On top of that, rush for 140 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 8.8 yards per carry. North Carolina Central looks legit, man. They've looked legit for three straight weeks against A&T. They had that game against Winston-Salem State, and they looked legit this weekend on the road against New Hampshire. North Carolina Central is, is the truth, man. Listen, Dylan Love came in for New Hampshire as one of the top running backs in the country, was, was top five in rushing per game, was one of the top leaders in rushing touchdowns, and they held Dylan Love to zero touchdowns and 44 total yards rushing. The secondary had had their moments of weakness. I think that's going to be something to look look forward to moving forward. But I want to give a shout-out to, to a guy. Khalil Baker in the secondary. If you remember, if you were tuned in for the preview, I said Khalil Baker was a player to watch. He had two straight interceptions against AT and Winston-Salem State. Khalil Baker got his third consecutive interception in a game and returned this one for a pick six. Khalil Baker is legit on the back end of the defense, combined with Brandon Codrington, who was an all MEAC selection. Central's defense looks extremely improved they went out and hired um they, they went out and hired a defensive coordinator from um north carolina a&t and he has completely rebuilt and and really developed as north carolina central's uh, entire defense north carolina central right now looks like they are a legit celebration bowl contender and i had someone from jackson state call me today and say that the jsu nccu matchup is the only matchup that he's looking forward to for the rest of the season and NCCU JSU is the matchup I am banging on the table for that I want to see. I think those are the two best teams in HBCU football right now, and I, I really, really am looking forward to hopefully seeing that matchup. We'll see. I'm going up to Orangeburg for that uh, North Carolina Central South Carolina State game, and I'm going to be in attendance for Campbell versus North Carolina um, North North Carolina Central in two weeks. I'm really, really excited to see this team up in person. The offensive line looks much improved from last year. They had a bunch of young guys last year. Um, Jaqueen Davis at, at the wide receiving spot is legit. Uh, Devin Smith is legit as well. Uh, right now, uh, we, we got to see more about South Carolina State. But right now, Trey Oliver has North Carolina Central as one of the hottest teams in the country, and they deserve a lot, a lot of credit for what they're doing up there at North Carolina Central. Before we get to the JSU games, I know um, a bunch of people. Real quick, I, I think I accidentally skipped over it. I want to go back real quick. Morgan State, I, I wanted, I specifically put that game up here because I really wanted to give Morgan State their flowers. I get it. There were a lot of people who were saying because Ray Lewis was interested, Ed Reed, whoever you know the celebrity coaches were, Morgan State deserves credit for making the right hire. I don't care if it was Ray Lewis. I don't care if it was Bill Belichick. Nick, it, it doesn't matter. Damon Wilson was the right hire for this job. Talking to him at MEAC Media Day, he has a vision for this program, and I think they might be a year or two early, earlier than expected or ahead of schedule. This team, if they can find a good quarterback, is going to be an absolute issue. The one question mark for them and the one thing that's going to prevent them from competing for the MEAC is going to be the quarterback play. Carson Baker and Deuce Taylor just don't I, – I, for me, they don't do it for me. We'll see who he recruits because I think Damon Wilson, anybody he wants 
in that in that DMV area, he is going to get out of the transfer portal. And he's going to be able to recruit those high, that high school area. He's done it at Bowie State, and he's going to do it at Morgan. And the fact that he's having success this quickly, and they can see his vision and his coaching being put into, into effect a year or two early is all they need to see. Alonzo uh, or Alfonso Graham at the running back spot, legit too. Over five yards per carry, a rushing touchdown, 75 yards rushing this weekend. And the, the defense... Lawrence Richardson was was my sole Morgan State defensive um, all MEAC selection. Ten total tackles, had a tackle for loss this weekend, is playing all over the field. He's still an extremely young player. They have him for a few more seasons. Elijah Williams, nine tackles for loss. I mean, nine tackles up and then half a tackle for loss and a sack. Brian Stoops at the at, in that front seven is legit. Morgan State's defense is legit and I was really, really impressed with Morgan State. And I, I want to put this in perspective as well for you guys. S- uh, Sacred Heart has won the NEC multiple years consecutively, and I believe is going for their third or fourth straight NEC conference championship, has been in the playoffs multiple times. They have a first team, a first team FCS All-American running back, and they held Malik Grant to 13 total yards rushing on 11 carries, 1.2 yards per carry this weekend this Morgan State defense is legit it's going to keep them in a lot of games and right now this is going to be my hot take of the show right now Morgan State is the third best team in the MEAC Morgan State is going to finish top three in the MEAC if this continues right now based on what I've seen they're better than Norfolk State they're better than Delaware State and I really do think this team can finish third in the MEAC they're I really, really do. And I, I'm extremely impressed with what Damon Wilson has done. If they finish third, let them get a recruiting class in. If they can find a quarterback, he is going to have this team competing for a MEAC championship sooner rather than later. And I really, really wanted to give um I really wanted to give Morgan State their credit, man, because they they deserve it. I really didn't know if they were going to be able to pull off this upset over Sacred Heart, but they went out there and looked like the better team for 60 minutes. Clarence, we're going to have to disagree, man. I, I don't care if it was Ray Lewis. Damon Wilson, in my opinion, you you maybe off the field stuff. Listen, Ray Lewis is big and and he can and he can do some, he can, you know, bring in some money or attention or whatever. But in terms of pure coaching, I, I personally, um, I, I, I listen. <laughs> listen, the only guy, uh, has a handful of schools, man. I, I can't can't run down a list like the swag, but in my opinion, I still think David Wilson was the um, was the right hire, just just in my opinion. But we'll see. But we'll, we'll time will tell, and we'll see. We'll see what Morgan looks like going into next year. But this year, they've already exceeded expectations on what what I thought they could do, but. Let's get back here, man, real quickly. Sac State beats you and I like um like I predicted last week. It really came down to the rushing game. 170 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns for Sac State. I thought the two quarterback system looked good. Jake Dunaway looked really, really efficient with 200 yards passing this weekend. But man, I'm gonna leave it at that because I've really wanted to get to this Jackson State game. I know this is the game, everyone, all 393 of y'all, man, um, tune in to see, man. I need 300 likes, man, for sure, uh, since all y'all have tuned in. But this game um, this game was a tale of two halves, to say the least. 
you know, um, I, I was I was kind of I, I was watching this and I was like, man, Granville is really, really hanging in there. And it just seemed like Jackson State kept uh, shooting itself in the foot. And then they came out in the second half because I saw Coach Prime's halftime speech. And I was like, man, I can only imagine what he's going to say in the locker room. If that was the tone back media version, I can only imagine the hell those players went through in that locker room. And I think I can speak to everybody in the chat who has played some level of football above probably middle school, high school, college, whatever. You know what it's like to be to go into halftime and you're sitting in your locker, you're sitting, you know, with your position group and you know it's coming. So I, I can only imagine the pure hell that that happened during halftime, man, because they came out on a mission in the second half. I think this was a game of Jackson State really having having something to prove in the second half and Grambling just really being outplayed um, in in the second half. Quaterius Hawkins, I thought he did some he did he did some good things. I think it was a game plan. I talked with some Jackson State people today about how quick he got the ball out of his hands, and for me, I think that was a game plan. But the problem is, is it really affected his accuracy because he was trying to get rid of the ball so quickly because he knew that rush was coming that he said, I would rather not get sacked and miss a pass and it be second and 10 than me hang on to this ball too long and try to make a better or a more thought out throw and and it'd be second and 18. And I, I think it was a a risk-reward situation. His completion percentage really, really suffered. He was 12 for 30 with two interceptions, but he but they only allowed one sack, and I really do think it was um, an offensive game plan for Hugh Jackson to try to get the ball out of Hawkins' hands as quickly as possible. There were times where the ball hit his hands and he got rid of it with within a second. I don't even know if he had time to read the defense. He was just getting rid of the football because he knew Jackson State's rush was coming. And I think in the second half, you really saw how aggressive Jackson State's defensive game plan was. They came after him. And in my opinion, he was he felt the pressure when there wasn't even pressure. And that speaks to how talented this Jackson State pass rush has been this year. But I do have I don't know if he I, I heard it might have been the heat or whatever. But man, the fact that Maurice Washington only had three carries after what he was doing in the first half is outrageous. And I think the depth of the Grambling State running back room, um, the depth of that room might have been a little bit overstated in the preseason. Because I do, as great as Chance Williams is, as great as Floyd Chalk and all them are, it's Maurice Washington is leaps and bounds better than anybody else in that um, in that running back room for Grambling State. Just going to put that out there. I really do think it's a steeper drop off than some people like to talk about. Because I think Maurice Williams um, is, is that much better than than the rest of those running backs, and, and I, I was really really surprised that he only had three carries. In my opinion, I mean, three carries is outrageous. I, I understand it could have been cramping, which is what I was told, but he he, he didn't um, he didn't look fully healthy. But man, three carries is is outrageous in my opinion. That was your one key player. That's the one person that could create anything explosive in terms of your offense, and he got, he touched the ball three times. That just um, that makes no sense to me. I don't understand the game plan there for Grambling State, but, I mean, I, I don't know. 
three carries is outrageous. And for me, that was a that that was the biggest head scratching decision for Hugh Jackson and this coaching staff. And tomorrow in the press conference, I am absolutely damn sure going to ask about that because I need to ask Hugh Jackson why in the hell did Maurice only touch the ball three times? Because he needed, like I said on my preview, he needed to touch the ball 15 to 20 times, maybe 25 times, because he is the only um, only playmaker for that offense. But on the defensive side, before we get into Jackson State, Lewis Matthews, Joshua Reed were what they were, 19 combined tackles, tackle for loss, a sack. Uh, Lewis had the one, uh, the one fumble um, recovery. And then, listen, this game was a big one for uh, – for, for Sunday out of Anderson, man, he, he, he played in the backfield. He had a handful of QB hurries. I don't think they credited him with any, you know, big, big plays, but man, he, he, he showed up in my opinion, in terms of his pass rushing. I really don't think his run, his run defense was there as, as much as I would want it to be, but I thought Sunday out did well, but man, Matthews and Joshua Reed are, are legit on the defense side of the ball. And, and they both showed up in a big way. Um, let's see. He could touch it, then what? Well, I mean, you had to try, Clarence. My biggest thing is regardless if um regardless if Jackson State stops it or not, you don't know. We only had three carries. Um, so you've got to at least try it. I mean, he 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 created your only explosive play in, in the game, really, and you took the ball out of his hands. Regardless if it doesn't work out in the long run, I can live with my number one offensive weapon touching the ball a bunch and you just and, and the defense across from me just plays better. But what I can't live with is the what if is we took we we took out we took the ball out of our our hands and Clarence I'll I'll frame it to you like this. Let's flip it. If Jackson State lost this game and they took the ball out of Shador's hands and he only threw the ball 12 times. Jackson State fans would be like, why did you take the ball out of Shador's hands? He is our best offensive weapon. You'd be like, listen, I don't care if he won't play well. You have to give Shador the chance to throw it. So I, I think that's that's why you have to give him the touches. You can't take the ball out of your best offensive weapon's hands in this situation. So that that would be that, that would be my argument for that. But for for Jackson State, I, we'll get to Shador. The the player of the game was Savion Wilkerson. And I told you guys, man, I, and people who have watched my show can vouch for me on this. I said after the FAMU game, Savion Wilkerson was the number one running back in the Jackson State running back room. And after last weekend, I don't know what else he could have done to earn this spot. And then he came out this weekend and proved exactly what you wanted to uh what you wanted to see man 23 carries which he absolutely deserved 141 yards he he lost zero yards rushing had zero negative carries had two touchdowns and averaged six yards per carry jackson state ran for 216 yards and four rushing touchdowns that is something that you would have never seen from jackson state last season the i've been a little bit critical of pass blocking uh, for Jackson State, I think the offensive line still has some communication things to work work out. Some, um, some, uh, I would say fundamentals, but the run blocking for the offensive line is just different. Tyler Brown, Evan Henry, Zach Bro, and that offensive line—they are physical, they are aggressive, and they can run block the hell out of uh, out of that scheme. But I got to give Savion the credit, man. MVP there. 
They are the, he is the MVP of the game. Uh, the fact that they trusted him to put put the ball on the ground twenty three times, and he and he went out there and, and did it. I got to give him credit, and he also did it through the air a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know if he had any catches or not. Um, hang on. Let's see. Wilkerson can also catch football. I don't think I don't think he had any catches this game, but I have seen it in um, at Delaware State. He can definitely do that. I'm glad they didn't have any holding calls um, that game. I agree. Uh, the biggest difference between Wilkerson and Gray is 30 pounds and two inches of height. He has more NFL potential than Gray. For me, Wilkerson that that's that's what separates Wilkerson from all the backs on the roster too, man. That some of the other backs due to ball security and things like that, they're just too small to be in in between the tackle um running backs sometimes man if you put a big hit on him or grab him he can't break the tackle and i think that's something that uh Wilker, wilkerson can can do consistently and i think we saw it this weekend um dallas daniels if you remember i said dallas daniels is the keith corbin of this this year's team and i i don't know if it was a hot take then i remember i, t- I told ken clark and zoe on the on the 1400 um uh, well, Ken's YouTube channel of uh, Ken and Zoe from the 1400 Club. Dallas Daniels, in my opinion, is the best wide receiver on the team right now. And he is legit. Three receiving touchdowns this weekend, five catches for 85 yards. I said on the on the preview with um with Kobe, formerly CFL, now a uh, Blitz City, when we did our Jackson State preview, I said I thought Dallas Daniels um he's the only wide receiver I thought that can make a run in a thousand yards. I, I really do. And I think it's because I think he's going to get the volume of targets. And right now he, he looks legit. And I think, and I think he established himself as wide receiver one. Willie Gaines did his thing too. He had a big, what 86 yard reception, but outside of, I think the, a lot of his stats were fluff. I think he had two catches and the one was the 86 yard touchdown. Dallas Daniels was the every down guy. And Kevin Coleman really, I think took a major step forward in his game this weekend too. I think he was, the, he was the next highest with three catches and um, like 50 yards. Aubrey leading the defense, nine total tackles, a tackle for loss. Uh, Nugget, Got in there some. Uh, Niles Gaddy, one sack, one tackle for loss, four uh, four total tackles. Um, hang on, let me get to this comment. Ron, Ron I'm going to make all my predictions Wednesday on my FCS preview. So uh, I'll be previewing all those games, giving my score predictions then, but I uh, won't be giving any on this episode. I still got to do a lot of research before I make my picks. Um, but man, I was really glad to see Nugget out there. I think Niles, he was, he was still making plays. But I think I, I talked I talked to some people close to him. I think he was frustrated the fact that their game plan was to get the ball out early. He had a sack, but they were getting the ball out so fast that he really didn't have time to get after the quarterback like he wanted. And so that was the that was the biggest thing is they tried to neutralize that that rush that um pass rush. Niles now I think he's third in the FCS. In total sacks, uh, the guy from William & Mary who won my player of the week is one. The kid from Incarnate Word from last week is two, and then Niles is three. So he's still top three in the FCS in sacks. This next weekend is a stat-padding game for him. He sh- Niles Gaddy should have two to four sacks this weekend against Mississippi Valley State. That's just, that's just going to be my prediction. This is his stat-padding game. But I thought the secondary played well. It, it was just Grambler didn't have enough. I thought Grambling, from a paper standpoint, just looking at it pure paper, did not have the talent to hang with Jackson State. And I know someone asked me earlier in the show what I thought about 
keeping the players in late into the fourth quarter. I think it was just a statement from um, Coach Prom. He understands what the perception of the swag is. He understands what it's going to take for Shador to get some of these awards at the end of the year, the Walter Payton and everything like that. I mean, Shador had 357 passing yards, four, pa- four passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. And he probably had the fourth or fifth best performance on the offensive side of the football this weekend in the FCS. That's why he was playing in the fourth quarter in the FCS. These awards are our statistical awards. At the end of the year, he understands he has to go put up those stats. And due to the fact that they didn't really perform well in the first half, they needed to put it on and make a statement, man. And 66 to 24 is a statement. And he went out there and threw for 354 touchdowns and, and had two rushing as well. And that was the key because some of these other quarterbacks is going to go up against the Lindsey Scotts, the Jason Shelley's are also going to have rushing touchdowns. That was big for, for Shador to get that on his resume. That's why he was playing in the fourth quarter. And I thought, um, and is it Andrade? I think is the backup name that played. He is, um, he he looks he looks legit. I don't know what string he was playing against um, for Grambling, but he looked efficient. And he looked confident in that offense too. So I got to give him a lot of credit. JP looked really really good. Um, let's see. Um, I heard Great had an injury. Darren, I don't know how true that is. I was told that he missed with injury, but um, I, I can't expand on what injury or or how long he's going to be out. But I did. I, I heard he potentially was held out with injury, but I, I don't know if anyone in the chat can um, speak a little bit more to that. But I thought this was a big win. I thought this needed to be a blowout. It was. I thought this was going to be a blowout. It was. And so uh, that's that's my thoughts on the game. Hey, y'all can call in and let me know. Um, Okay, yeah, he got hurt in the game. That's that's must have been must have been it. Great did not play. Uh, different reports here. Five zero five nine. You're live. Five zero five nine. You're live. All right, man. Y'all, y'all can call back in, but um. <laughs> no answer there. Uh, let's see. What's going on, folks? Uh, what's this guy in from Jackson? Man, how was the trip, Mr. Campbell? Man, I'm hoping, hoping y'all stayed uh, safe out there. I heard it was hot. I heard a lot of people uh, were passing out and everything like that. So uh, let's see. I heard the vet stadium. Uh, the sessions ran out of water in Gatorade in Jackson, Mississippi. That's really sad with the Jackson water problem. Yeah, I can't speak. Um, can't speak on all that. Eight zero four seven. You're live. Hey, what's going on, Blue? What's up, man? This is Ken. What's up, man? Hey, uh, well, first and foremost, this was a great week of football. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the Arizona versus North Dakota State game was a big showcase for you know the FCS, and uh, I think what it showed us was North Dakota State. They do have probably a better team than Arizona, but they don't have that quarterback. Like they don't, they don't have. They, they for years they were blessed with. These NFL talents at quarterback, you know, uh, Trey Lance, uh, Easton Stick, and of course Carson Wentz. And now they, and Cam Miller just isn't in that tier. I mean, he's he's just not in that that tier with those guys, not even close. So I, I think just having if they had that quarterback, I don't think this game would have been. I don't think the Arizona game would even been close. Just yeah, I mean, I think but, it was. Uh, I think it was clear Delora was the better quarterback. 
I mean, by far. But Cam Miller's a game manager. Their bread and butter is going to be running the football and trying to play that physical defense and limit you. And I think Dolores showed that he was a legit playmaker. And, and like you said, that was probably the difference in the game. Definitely. But on to Jackson State uh, and the Grambling game, I mean, it was uh, – I watched, I watched it, like you said, it was a tell two halves. Uh, the first half, we saw Jackson State not only uh, making communication errors, but just having a number of different uh, – just different gaps. And I wonder, I wonder how, I wonder how they're practicing, because you know, you what you see is the the issues they're they're dealing with, or just a lack of focus issues. And I think that's the one thing. Like I think with, you know, the one thing I, I listened to when you had to, when you brought that uh, North Dakota State AD on, he was talking about how the last thing you look at is talent. They look at the character, they look at the work ethic, they look at everything else before the football. Football because they can find players anywhere. But they have to be the right fit, and I wonder why by Dion going so hard on talent, so much on talent and everything that you know, is it is it is he trying to get players who might not naturally kind of have that natural feel? Is he trying to get those players to play within a system that you know for some of these guys they they might not be that type of player. They might not be players that can you know play within a high IQ system or a system where you know like we got option routes. The quarterback, the receivers have to be smart. You know these are things that like. These are things that you kind of have to have the right players to recruit. You have to recruit the right players for. You don't just, you can't just recruit all the best talent and think that's going to work. I mean, it, it may, it may work, but it's just, it's high risk. But uh, that's some of the things I saw with Jackson State early on. But of course, at some point, talent did prevail, and, and they stopped making some of those mistakes and grambling kind of. To be honest with you, is Hawkins? He, he just wasn't moving the ball down the field. I mean, it was, it was every, every other time it was like three and out, and the difference between. Jackson, Diversity, Tennessee State, and Grambling State was, you know, the second half, Grambling couldn't touch Fedor. And, and now, now, and now, I'm not talking about not in, within the 20. They couldn't touch him anywhere. And so Shador was, the offensive line was dominant, and that's all Shador needs, you know, with his pocket, with his pocket ability. And, uh, my last point is Shador's underrated. He's very underrated. I heard some guy on Twitter talk about Shador wouldn't be a starting quarterback in most teams if it wasn't for his daddy. That's just that's nonsense. Shador is one of the more impressive pocket passers that we have in college football, not just FCS or FBS. He's one of the most impressive quarterbacks from a, from just a mental standpoint, uh, pre-snap read standpoint, even post-snap reads. He's very impressive. Now he doesn't he doesn't have the legs and everything. He doesn't have all those. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have that overwhelming size. But I mean, as far as quarter, as far as QBing goes, I mean he's he's as polished as they get. I mean he would. There would be. I know your Auburn team would take him right now. So Facts. that's, that's a just fact. my point. <laughs> I would take I would take Mr. Campbell right now at quarterback. But listen, I think you won the chat a little bit back over with that Shador comment. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put it a little bit back in perspective about your first comment. I think I get what you're saying, but you let, let's let's take the tale of the two stories. Alabama A&M went out there and got 50 transfers. They just look for talent. They look for p- bodies, right? They went out there and just recruited their ass off and, and got as many people as possible. The chemistry just hasn't been there. They look atrocious. They don't know how to play together. They don't look like a team yet. The one thing I think you have to give Coach Prom c- credit for, he got a lot of talent in terms of transfers, but that team full of transfers – 
gelled so much faster than anybody else in the country. So I get what you mean, but you've got to give that coaching staff credit, the fact that they were able to find ways to build chemistry and build unity as fast as they did. And I think that speaks to the leadership within that building because when you look at all the transfers they brought in, all the personalities, all the talent, a lot of teams wouldn't be able to pull that off. So as much as I get what you're saying, you do have to you do have to give Jackson State and that coaching staff a little bit of credit because they were able to gel so much faster than anybody else could have expected. That is true. I yeah. I agree with that notion. But I do get what you mean. You got to be careful with like who you bring in and things like that because and, and it goes back to all transfers aren't built the same. But I do think Jackson State has been extremely, extremely not lucky. I don't think lucky is the word, but they've had a they've done a great job that most of the transfers they bring in live up to the hype or exceed it, and that's something that there's not many teams in the country that um that that could say that about the transfer class that they brought in. Understood. And I think for me, it's more so their level of discipline. I'm I'm used to a higher level of discipline from a really good team. And, you know, when you watch them, they're, they're, they're not as disciplined as, you know, you would expect from a top, a team that you, a team with the top tier talent they have. If you compare them to North Dakota state, or you compare them to, you know, Missouri, Missouri state, I mean, Missouri State had a very clean game against Arkansas. So it's just when you compare them to the best teams, I just expect I'm expecting more. And, I mean, Dion is. I mean, I'm not the only one. Dion is expecting more too. Um, I, okay. Uh, I, I get – you know, he hasn't had any off-the-field stuff, so I, I guess you're talking about like more in-game. you still got to remember, man. Specifically in-game. Yeah, you got to remember, man. This is still week what three that we just went through. Listen, man. NDSU's been a, been a FCS powerhouse for like ten years, twelve years now. No, Missouri State's a bit newer, so I, I, maybe that's a little bit better comparison. But you got to comparing them to the top of the top of the FCS is not. I don't know if that's a fair comparison yet, especially when you look at the longevity some of these um, quote-unquote blue blood programs have at the top of the FCS. But, you know, let's come – I would say let's revisit this after week eight, nine, or ten. If this is still a problem later in the season, then I think you might have a point. But I don't think in week three you can um, go after after them for that because if you look, penalties probably cost North Dakota State that game too. You there, man? So, Blue, what do you think? What, yeah, what do you think about like as far as Shador? Because I mean, that's been a hot topic for the last couple of weeks, whether it's Scotty or whoever. It's been a hot topic. Um, I think. I, I mean, in terms of what, like, the terms of like his potential, or or, or what? Just how he's rated, overrated, underrated. I mean, I think he's rated daddy ball. You I, know. I think he's rated. I think he's rated perfectly. Um. Like I said um, last week, well, in in terms of coming into the season, I had him as like a number two or three quarterback in the FCS, and I still think he's right there in the top five. So uh, I think he's rated perfectly. I think when you look at when you look at the daddy ball argument, I I, I can't get behind it. And and me and Scotty disagreed on it on the roundtable. I just personally don't see 
I don't see the argument for it because if you if there was a bona fide guy behind him that is proven to be better, I there's not. I mean, he's a top five quarterback in the FCS, and when you look around, does Missouri State have someone behind Jason Shelley? Did they go out and try to replace him this offseason? Did Fordham try to go out and replace Tim DeMoret? You know, Incarnate Word brought in Lindsey Scott because they lost Cameron Ward, but before that, they weren't looking for someone to replace Cameron Ward. Who, by the way, is playing terrific football. Yeah, exactly. So I I don't think the daddy ball weight um, thing holds any water. He's rated he's a top five FCS quarterback, and that's where I would put it. I think the daddy ball is a really outdated argument now because he's proven that that's not the case, especially when you look at how bad Quincy Casey and Jalen Jones are playing. I just don't understand how people can just be negative about him. Like, watch him read the team. Watch him read pre-snap reads. Watch him. Watch him get the offensive lineman in the right in the right in the right positions at the pre-snap level. I mean, he's doing things that sophomores generally don't do. Two seniors generally don't do in the FBS level. So for me, it's just it really it just gets me. I'm like, come on, like, are you watching the game? But to me, I think a lot of I think some fans they want that. They want that uh, Anthony um, – what's his name? Uh, Richardson. They want that Anthony Richardson type, that Cam Newton type. And, like, Shador doesn't fit that mold. And, I mean, uh, we'll see. Man, I think he's had a great year, man, but we'll, but we'll, but we'll see, man. But, hey, I, I'm going to get to some of these other callers, man. Appreciate you calling in, though. All right. Appreciate it. And Lindsey Scott. Five zero five nine. You're live. Hey, Blue, how you doing? What's up, man? Hey, looking at FCS quarterbacks, you know, at every level now, the team with the best quarterback is going to win eighty to ninety percent of the game. Have you seen any FCS game this season where the team with the lesser quarterback won? <laughs> oh man, testing my. Uh, I'm trying to think now, man. I'm gonna have to go through four weeks of football on the spot like this. Um, with the with the worst quarterback. Well, I, I won't say. Well, okay, you can use that word. Oh man. Okay, so at the FCS level, man. Hang on. I get, now. Now I gotta pull up because <laughs> off the top of my head, I can't. Well, I, I guess it, this really makes my point is that. The team to be successful, whether it's FCS level or FBS, you have to have uh, the better quarterback. That's the okay, better so, quarterback is going to win eighty to ninety percent of the games. Do you agree with that statement? Yes. So someone put in the chat. This is a, this is a good point. PV over uh, Texas Southern. Okay. Because okay. Andrew Body now, is a better quarterback than um, I forgot. Who, I even forgot the kid's name for uh, PV. Okay, excellent one. You were talking about uh, Tim. What's his name for Fordham? Um, Demorit. Demorit. He has like thirteen hundred yards. What are they playing up there? Flag football? Nah, man. They just they, they air it out. That's what happens. That they, they throw it he around has the yard. Thirteen hundred yards. On a like a hundred and twenty nine attempts, uh, they're not yeah. running the ball at all, are they? Barely. I mean, and what this week he threw for 
he threw for almost 500 yards this weekend. I mean, he was the player of the week easily. And um, he's crushing it. He's, yeah. he's doing like uh, like 430 some yards a game. Shadur has, uh, I think he has like 108 or 110 attempts. He's completed mm-hmm. 80 of them for like 74%. He has 956 yards. Do you see him catching the front runner? So in terms of the Walter Payton? Well, well, in terms of the yards and Walter Payton, both. Not the yards. I mean, look, you gotta you gotta kind of you gotta compare schemes. So right now, uh, let me pick on let me pull up Shador's stats real quick uh, to com- give you like a complete fair comparison here throughout this season. So right now, Shador, Shador has 111 attempts compared to Tim DeMoret's um, 129. And Tim DeMoret's threw 1,300 yards to Shador's 900. 16 passing touchdowns for DeMoret to Shador's 10. I think looking – over the season, I don't know if Shador is going to get that that amount of attempts. When you look at the last two games for Tim DeMoret, he's thrown for over fifty times per game, and that's going right. to be that's going to be the the norm, um, in my opinion. Because that first week he got benched. I mean, they were I think if I'm not mistaken, they played Wagner week one and were just smacking them and got benched. So he's probably going to get 40 to 50 attempts per game. I don't think Shador is going to get that. I don't think Shador is going to win the statistical argument. Now, Shador last year was going to win the efficiency argument, but the problem is DeMora is completing like 80 damn percent of his passes. And so he's got the the efficiency, the yards, and the touchdowns. The only only area where I've seen where Shador hasn't beat is that um, Tim is throwing about one interception for every five touchdowns, and so far Shadour's thrown ten touchdowns with no interception. That's the only area I saw where yeah. he beat him. You know, the argument though would be it's the same argument when you had Eric Barrier and um, uh, Cole Kelly is that yeah, if you're going to throw more interceptions, if you're throwing more, and so that'll probably bail them out. the The real um, the the real argument is going to be. Shador playing better competition. And I know that sounds crazy. And people are like, wait, what? The Patriot League is not the best league. And so I do think Shador is going to have the competition argument over him. I think when you're looking at the Walter Payton award race, Lindsey Scott, um, Jason Shelley, Shador, and Tim mm-hmm. DeMoret are probably going to be your four quarterbacks that are going to take the lead. When you look at competition, um, you know, you're probably going to lean Jason Shelley because he plays in the Missouri Valley. He's going to play the South Dakota States, Southern Illinois, North Dakota, yeah, South he, Dakota. He's right behind Tim. Yeah. Now, so, now, Blue, here's the thing. The quarterback rating, I know that at the FCS level, college level, we use the total number of attempts divided into um, completions, divided into touchdowns, divided into interceptions and divided into total yards for like a quarterback rating. So what methodology will they use or do you know for awarding the Walter Payton award? Is it going to be like quarterback rating or is it something else? 
it'll be a totality. So like I'm on the voting committee for that. The same people who vote for the FCS stats, uh, perform top 25 vote for all the awards. So I'll give you my perspective. I'm looking at one. How do you play in your biggest games of the year? When the, when, and that's something that I put a lot of stock into when the game is on the line in clutch moments in big games, do you make the play? And that's going to carry a lot of weight for me. So Jason Shelley's performance against number 10 um, Arkansas counts a lot for me. And I also uh-huh. look, I look at efficiency. I look at who you played. I just want to look at your strength, the schedule. And then, then we'll kind of get into the statistical argument. But for me, how you play in crucial big moments and, and your strength, the schedule and things like that really weigh a lot for me because you can stat pad but if you're playing Wagner and Utah Tech every week I'm not going to I'm not going to put a lot of stock into that when the other guy has 300 400 less yards than you but he's playing North Dakota State South Dakota State Montana State and Eastern Washington how much do you think the quarterback rating plays into that ranking or into I guess establishing you know top tier quarterbacks plays a little bit but when you look at the stats, I mean, that's part of the stats is the stats create the QB ranking. So I think it's just um, it's just another stat you can use to kind of rate these quarterbacks. But I, I take it seriously that the fact I get to pick this. And so for me, I got to take in your whole body of work um, for me to vote for you. So that's what that's what I did last year. I've, um, I didn't get to vote last year, but I did a show where I thought Eric Berrier should have won due to the competition he played and the fact that he had a better season a season. And then I also picked uh Troy Anderson over Isaiah land. I had Troy Anderson one Isaiah land two because of the competition and the fact that Troy Anderson did more for his team in bigger moments. Okay. Hey, thanks blue. Look forward to uh, the quarterback uh, ranking on what is that Tuesday, Wednesday when you put that out? Um, yeah, the uh, be Wednesday. Wednesday night, I'll have my uh, okay. QB rankings. Hey, hey, have a good one, Blue. Thanks. Appreciate hey, you, man. And appreciate you using facts and data. It, it's so helpful. Thank you. Hey, appreciate you, man. Thanks for the call. All right. All right. All right, man. Uh, we're going to end the show with the rankings. I'm going to leave the call line open uh, just in case I want to call in after that. Um, 701-779-9585 is the call in number. But this is the top 25 I submitted today. I know some of y'all have already saw it. It's already up on the website. I posted it on Twitter, everything like that. So this is already submitted. Um, so I'll, I'll work from 25 up to one. Man, South Southeast Missouri State and Furman are the newest teams in my top 25. Southeast Missouri State and Furman, both two and one. South uh, SEMO 42-16 win over Nichols this weekend. And Furman had a double-digit win over number 18 ETSU, who dropped um who dropped out of my rankings uh th- this past week. But man, Furman and Southeast Missouri State have two really, really good wins. Um this season, I thought they they belonged in this 24-25 spot. Sanford moves up just due to people dropping out. They had a 38, 33-28 win over Tennessee Tech this weekend. Richmond sticks at 22, 30-6 win over Lehigh. Austin P drops down a spot. UT Martin drops down a spot just due to Central moving up. Austin P won a 28-3 game over Alabama A&M. And UT Martin had a 30-7 loss to Boise State. But I don't um, – 
I, I don't penalize teams for, for losses to FPS schools in my poll. Uh, North Carolina Central jumps up from 24 to 19. North Dakota jumped up to 18. And both of these teams had two of the more impressive wins of the weekend, in my opinion. North Carolina Central sitting at 3-0 and after that 45-27 to win over New Hampshire. North Dakota with the 27-24 win over Northern Arizona, both of which are really, really fast risers in my poll. Mercer at 17 a 17 to nothing win over the Citadel this past weekend. Eastern Washington had a bye week, so they just kind of they stand pat. William and Mary 3 and 0, Eastern Kentucky, Chattanooga, Weber State, Holy Cross all stayed the same. My 11 through 15 all stayed the same. William and Mary had a 34-7 win over uh, Lafayette. Eastern Kentucky 40 to 17 win over Charleston Southern. 41-14 win over North Alabama for Chattanooga. 44-14 win over Utah Tech for Weber State. And a 38-14 win over Yale for Holy Cross. All these teams sit at 3-0 and except for Eastern Kentucky, who has an FBS loss week one. But they also have an FBS win on their resume. Villanova drops one spot. Um... And it's only due to Jackson State moving up in my poll. Uh, Villanova had a 49-10 to 10 loss to Army. I usually don't penalize teams, but I think this season you can make an argument that Jackson State has looked much better than Villanova. And so I'm going to move Jackson State up to nine in my poll. Um, Sac State sticks at eight, 37-21 win over Northern Iowa. They sit at 2-0. and Sac State has a lot of big games on their schedule. I don't know where to really – put them in the grand scheme of things. They've only played two games in the first three weeks. So we'll see. They have one of those weird early bye weeks. Delaware sits at number seven, 42-21 win over Rhode Island. And then this is the big move. And I know this is um that this is probably this is probably gonna make some people up in Montana mad. I dropped um listen and I listen I know it Ron I knew you were gonna comment. Ron was the person I knew was going to comment and I get it. They didn't have their top three running backs, but for me, man, um, I didn't drop Montana penalizing them for the loss run. What I did was look at the total resume because incarnate word, Missouri state and Montana all have similar resumes right now. Incarnate word and Missouri state both looked way more impressive in their FBS games than Montana state. And on top of that, they both have ranked wins on their resume. Incarnate Word has a almost 40-point win over Southern Illinois, who just knocked off an FBS team. And Missouri State had a double-digit lead on the road against a top-10 FBS program. And I understand Montana State is um, – I understand they weren't completely healthy. But it, it, for me – Incarnate Word and Missouri State have looked better than Montana State this year. We'll see what happens when Montana State gets healthy, and they have a chance to prove me wrong because Montana State this week, this is a big week coming up. Montana State does have a big game against, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they travel they, they travel to face Eastern Washington this weekend. But um, I, I, I think Montana State will have a chance to prove me wrong. But right now, I Man, I really do think Incarnate Word and Missouri State have earned their spot as top five teams. And to be fair, Ron, um, I almost moved both of them over South Dakota State, too. I, I really do think Incarnate Word and Missouri State have earned their spot in the top five. And that's the only thing. If Montana State goes out there and smacks around Eastern Washington, 
they're right back in my top five. And and I'll I'll, I'll admit I was wrong on that. But right now, I'll, I can only rank these teams based on what I've seen on the field thus far. Incarnate Word in Missouri State jump into my top five. My top three stays the same. South Dakota State, 45-17 win over Butler. And Montana, 49-14 win over Indiana State. They're sitting at 3-0. and North Dakota State had that three-point loss uh, to Arizona this weekend. But listen, if, if North Dakota, North Dakota State has a big game this weekend against South Dakota, Montana has a big game, has some big games coming up. And listen, the game of the week next week, I want y'all to listen to me closely. The game of the week next week, I know a lot of people in here don't, don't really like when I preview other FCS schools. South Dakota State, number three in the country, plays number five Missouri State this weekend. And that has, that is going to be, Thus far, the FCS game of the year right now that, that we've seen, there's some really, really big matchups um, next weekend. So next weekend, number 14, Eastern Kentucky faces number 21, Austin P. Eastern Washington, number 16 in the country, faces faces Montana State, number six. And you've got that top five matchup um, but, but, but between um, – South Dakota State and Missouri State, man, that is going to be an absolute amazing game. I wish I can be up there, man. I wish it wasn't uh, so far to travel for that one. But then next week, I'm going to be an incarnate word, a top five team, in my opinion, traveling down to southeastern Louisiana. I'm really, really interested to see southeastern Louisiana was number 26 right now. They have two FBS losses and. We haven't really we haven't seen them play of we saw them play one FCS school and it was uh, Central Connecticut State so we have zero idea what um what they're what they're going to look like NCCU can slowly inch up to the top fifteen just got to stay focused I'm excited to see what Central can do I am really really excited to see. Um, what Central can do. I just want I just want uh, to know, do you think NCS? Yes. If I had to, if I had to, if that game was played right this second, uh, T, I would pick NCCU to beat South Carolina State right now. I do. I, I think we're going to find out more about Central when they play Campbell in two weeks. But right now, based on the all, only based on what I've seen this year, T, I think NCCU would beat, um, would beat South Carolina State right now. Um, how good is Lindsey Scott Blue? I haven't seen him play, but his stats are insane. I didn't get a chance to watch the Nevada. You know, this weekend he got pulled early. I don't know if it was due to injury, just precautionary, or they just didn't really want to um run up the score. But Lindsey Scott's been great, man. He's been everything incarnate word has needed um when they lost uh when, when they lost Cameron Ward to Washington State. So I think he's been electric. Everything um in my opinion, everything that you've wanted out of them, he's given you. Uh, do you think UIW has a shot to ups- upset the Dakotas or Montanas? Michael, I think it's tough. Okay, North Dakota State, probably not. Montana, probably not. I do think Incarnate Word would have possibly a shot with South Dakota State or Montana State, but I still don't know if um. I still don't know if I would pick them today, Michael, but I do think that offense is is good enough to keep them in the game with anybody. The question would become is would they be able to win a a low-scoring physical battle when that offense wasn't clicking? Would that defensive front seven be able to hold up against some of these really, really big and physical offensive lines and rushing games, especially if Montana State was fully healthy? That would be my one question, but I do think um, I do think they could compete. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, Weaver State also plays UC Davis. Uh, UC Davis is 
in my top 30. They're not ranked um, right this second. Let me get back to Michael's uh, question. Now that UIW showed that they can slow the pace down and rush for over 200 yards on less than 30 attempts. Okay, I've already got that one. There was another question I wanted to get to. There we go. With so many of these teams looking like they'll lose future games, Blue, do you see JSU moving up to the top five? Or voters knock them for strength of schedule and uh, keep them around um, eight to ten? In my opinion, mm, it depends on what uh, Jackson State looks like, Kenneth. If Jackson State goes out there and they're beating teams by um, and they're beating teams by 30, 40, 50 points, Kenneth, then I, th- I think they can make that run. The question becomes is how much do voters penalize how much do you penalize South Dakota State for losing a one score game against North Dakota State? How much do you penalize Montana losing a close game to Montana State? And on top of that, Kenneth, the problem is is let's say next week Eastern Washington goes out there and smacks Montana State, wins by like 20. I'm just going to let you know, there's going to be some voters who jump Eastern Washington over some of those teams in the back half of the top 10, the Sac States, the Jackson States, the Villanovas. So I think it would, um, it's going to be a catch 22, but I do think they have a chance. It just depends on how dominant they look in the games that they do play. The biggest thing, if you're a Jackson State fan, is um, you, you, have, you, you have to root for Campbell, man. Campbell's got to start winning again. If Campbell goes out there and gets drugged by Central and they don't look good in early conference play, then that win over Campbell is not going to mean anything for the, for the overall polls. Um, so, so that's the big thing. And then you already have a William & Mary team who beat Campbell by double digits. If Jackson State goes out there and struggles, then that's going to be the case of, okay, well, how good is Jackson State in the grand scheme of things? Because voters are going to compare that Campbell game against William & Mary to the Campbell game against Jackson State. And they're going to use that because what, what you have as a voter, I'm just keeping it real with you guys, is – we can compare North Dakota, South Dakota, Incarnate Word, Montana, Montana State, Missouri State, because they all play similar teams. With Jackson State, they're not going to play any similar teams due to the way the out-of-conference scheduling was set up for the SWAC. And so that Campbell game is going to mean the world to Jackson State in terms of overall rankings. And so um, that's going to be the big question mark, man, because when you look across, let's just look at the top 25 right now. North Dakota State, Montana, South Dakota State, Missouri State, Montana State, Delaware, Sac- Sacramento State, Villanova, Holy Cross, Weber State, Chattanooga, Eastern Kentucky, William & Mary, Eastern Washington. I mean, there's there's like none of these teams have played um, – that, that n- none of these teams have played any like – well, Eastern Washington – and Eastern Washington and William & Mary might be the only two teams that play any common opponents with Jackson State. Eastern Washington play Tennessee State, and William & Mary is going to play Campbell, and that might be it. North Carolina Central plays Campbell. That might be it. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a tricky situation. Also, Austin P played Alabama A&M. So you've got a few, but the problem is those top five teams, Kenneth, do not have any common opponents, so it's going to be really hard to, to place them somewhere. Honestly, for Jack State football to be ranked, you can't play out-of-conference games in conference games like Grambling. You have to have three non-HBCU out-of-conference games to be considered, possibly. We need Campbell to beat NCCU, especially since NCCU beat New Hampshire. I agree. Would you like to see what – okay, now this is a question. Hang on. 
this is something I did want to talk about, and I, I want to get y'all's opinion on it. Now, we did see in 2019 South Carolina State all was was one of the four teams that were left out. They were on the bubble and left out. The question becomes, if Central wins out, except for the South Carolina State game, are they considered in the playoffs? So you would have a win over New Hampshire. You would have a win over A&T. You would have you would have a win over Campbell, and you you would you would sweep the MEAC outside of a close loss to South Carolina State. I would not be surprised if Central got an at-large bid this this season, and I know this is something that I don't think anybody would would see happening coming into the season. North Carolina Central has a chance to be an at-large team in the FCS playoffs, and I think depending on the matchup, they have a chance to compete because. Um, they don't schedule rematches in the first round, so there would be no um, that would immediately take out Campbell and AT if either of those teams won the Big South. They could, so just to put it out there, so y'all know, I just want to be clear in the first round, rematches cannot happen in the first round of the playoffs anymore, which means AT and Campbell would not be eligible opponents for Central, which means they would probably draw one of the first round CAA teams or potentially one of the first round. SOCON teams or OVC teams in the Tennessee area, possibly um, that Georgia, South Carolina area, depending on who who gets those bids. So you're looking at possibly like a Mercer or someone like that. Um, or if if like a Furman got in or, or someone like that would probably end up being their matchup. Um, Austin P potentially, if they get a bid from the ASUN, um, some of the OVC teams, I mean, UT Martin, Tennessee State, uh, someone like that. But that would be the best case for the MEAC because when I'm looking at the out of conference schedule, I don't know if I don't know if South Carolina State has the out of conference schedule to get them an at large bid right now. I mean, potentially they could, but South Carolina State would have to look really, really impressive in some of these out of conference games. But um, this this is this is something that I'm really, really interested to uh, to see. Um, is if South Carolina State gets that celebration bowl bid, if NCCU did enough to get an at-large bid, and that's a conversation that I think is going to develop over these next few weeks. And um, starting after week five, each week I'm going to be releasing an article and I'm going to be introducing it to my recap show on on this ep- on, on like episodes like these on Sunday Monday nights, where I'm going to give y'all the bracketology for the FCS playoffs. Um. So each week, starting after week five, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you guys the eight teams I think will get at large bids, and I'm gonna have resumes for all the other teams in terms of who I think is gonna get at large bids and who's gonna be seated where based on what I've seen this season. So starting week five after week five, I'm going to do bracketology. That way, y'all know exactly how I'm seeing the playoff race unfold. That way, y'all have um, as much information as needed because I know that's something this space um, has really needed. I know Sam Herter has done it a, a little bit, but I don't think anyone's brought it to YouTube um, on the, on this platform. So I'm going to be doing bracketology um, co- coming starting after week five. Uh, let's see. Um, you've watched all these top 25 teams. Do you think uh, North Carolina Central is better than a Holy Cross Weaver State or Chattanooga? Um, potentially, Kenneth. I would like to see them play, but if I had to um, – oh, man. If, okay, so if I had to p- predict the games now, Kenneth, I do think Central could potentially beat a Holy Cross. 
I would have to see men of Chattanooga or Weaver State. Listen, they could compete with all of them. Like I always say, listen, there's a there's the big divide is probably when I'm looking at my rankings right now, the big divide from the elite to the good teams. So I would probably say the top six or seven, and then you could probably group like eight to twelve, and then like thirteen through like twenty twenty one or out there, and then like twenty two to thirty five probably could all compete with each other, but there's tiers to it, but I do think Central's breaking into that tier where they can compete with them. Weber State would be a tough matchup. A lot of people think they're underrated. They have a 35-7 win over Utah State, but then they got they beat a D2 team, and they beat a really bad Utah Tech team. I don't know where Weber State stands. Uh, NC, NCCU is more battle-tested than Weber State, but I still think Weber State could be a sneaky good team. But NCCU could compete. I wouldn't say I would pick them for a guaranteed win right this second, though. Let's see. Um, FAMU playing D2 Albany State and not winning convincingly doesn't help their playoff calls. I agree. I agree. Khalil, um, if D. Davis comes back for Alabama State, can they give Jackson State a run for their money or even Alcorn State? Um, oh, man. I would maybe uh, Alabama state would have to turn that game into just, just a slug fest kind of like Tennessee state did. They'd have to force a lot of turnovers and make Jackson state play their brand of football. Mm. Right now I would have to say no Khalil. I don't see Alabama state with a chance to beat Jackson state. Especially uh, it, it depends on how healthy D Davis is, but we'll see. But um, all corner state right now, I would probably say it's the best team to compete with Jackson state. In the swag, they looked really good against Stephen F. Austin, looked great against McNeese this weekend. They got the one loss to Tulane. We're going to see how Alcorn State develops over these next few weeks offensively, but I do think Alcorn State right now is probably the biggest contender right now for uh, Jackson State in the swag. Yeah, I don't see FAMU making the playoffs this year, even if we went out. Man, FAMU would have to look extremely, extremely dominant. FAMU would have to put on a and just just a clinic over these next few weeks man i'm coming i'm coming to orangeburg uh terrell for that game so i will be in attendance for that game and i changed my whole schedule up instead of going to jackson that weekend i'm going to head up to orangeburg to go to that game what do you think is the best blocking scheme for wilkerson style zone or gap which do you prefer as an as a lineman um for me, I like zone. Just as a personal preface, listen, I'm a smaller lineman, and I mean, I'm a big dude, but like, I'm a smaller lineman in the grand scheme of things. So, I like zone blocking a lot because it allowed me to kind of play out in space and and, and use you know my athleticism a little bit that I had. But um, for me, I, I think for Wilkerson, I think gap. I would lean gap just because I mean if if he can just if he can just hit hit something and go I mean he's physical enough where he's able to take people one on one he'll be able to be successful in either uh Mr. G as long as the as the longest offensive line clears up a small lane for him but I think gap would work but for me it just as in my turn in my opinion as offensive line, I love playing in zone schemes just personally just because I've really excelled at that that I, I, I could I could zone block man listen don't don't hate on the skills I I could zone block. NCAA needs to give more funding to the FCS. I agree, Clarence. I've been screaming about that for a while. Southern Illinois still a top 25. Yeah, so, Brian, for me, it was an FBS win. They're right outside my top 25. But I still – 
my thing is, is how do I rank Southern Illinois and not rank Southeast Missouri State after they just beat them last week? So I had to rank Southeast Missouri State over them this week, Brian. But if they go beat North Dakota and and they go win some of those conference games, I'll I'll put them back in my top 25. They, they have a chance to earn it. But right now, Brian, I, I, I had to put SEMO over um, Southern Illinois in my top 25. Eight eight nine four five. You're live. What's up, Blue? This uh, uh, HBC uh, HBC Overdrive, man. What's good, man? Hey, man. Uh, I was coming college. Hey, uh, I know I was at the game on Saturday for the TSU and uh, Southern, and some things that kind of that had me scratching my head, like um, if. If you're up 21-0, I mean, if you're up 21-0, what's the best thing you're supposed to do as far as when you go into the second half? Like, you're supposed to beat the, you know, aren't you supposed to beat the next, you know, choke them out, beat them down, you know? Because to me, I feel like Texas Southern had the lead, and they got, they got, I want to say methodical, but they got, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, Vanilla <laughs> with the play calling. Um, I mean, like, yeah, uh, I I get you know I get the idea of putting your foot on their neck and making sure that you know you put them away. But when you're in the position of a Texas Southern, where you're up, this win would mean so much for your program that that doubt starts to creep back into your mind. Like, man, we can't let this one slip away. And the most important thing is just escaping with the win. And I think. I mean, that's fine. Listen, a 24 nothing win is still a dominant win in, in the grand scheme of things. So I don't put a lot of um, worry into the fact that they didn't, you know, run the score up on Southern. They got conservative and they escaped with the win. That might not work later in the season, but this week it was enough to get them to, um, to get them the W. And, um, another thing um, with uh, Alcorn, <laughs> like I, I, I was, I told my, uh, I told a friend of mine. I said, Alcorn reminds me of the 2000, like San Antonio Spurs. You know they consistent, but it's like watching paint dry. <laughs> and um, last night they actually showed, you know what I'm saying? Last night they actually showed me something that, that with you know, that all the naysayers about their, you know the. McNeese beating the swag 16, you know, 16 straight times. Um, they went out there and proved that, you know, they proved to everybody that that um, anybody could be beat, <laughs> even if, even if the team is um, not a good one as far as what you know, as far as McNeese goes. Uh, it was still a big win. I just want to put that out there for people that I mean, that was still a big win for Alcorn, especially with the fact that they let Stephen F. Austin off the hook. Um, right. They needed that win, and it was a big win for the SWAC because of the whole McNeese has never lost to the SWAC, which is still an outrageous stat that it lasted up until this year. But Fred McNair is a really, really good coach, man. I don't think he gets enough respect. Yeah. And Alcorn is going to go as far as their quarterback play takes them. If their quarterback takes that next step, Alcorn can compete for a SWAC championship, and 
the one advantage they have is that Jackson State has to come to the reservation. And I was talking to a Jackson State parent today, he and he said that the reservation is going to be different that last week. And he was like, I'm dreading that trip. He was like, I'm excited as a fan because the atmosphere is going to be amazing. But he said that's going to be a tough place to go in there and get a win. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what Alcorn looks like that last week. But just think about this. I know you went down to for the reservation uh, earlier this year, but just thinking about it, man. Just think about probably about it seats twenty two five, right? You're probably gonna have about, bro. You're gonna have about at least thirty thousand, thirty probably thirty to thirty two thousand in the stadium, and then you probably gonna have about another six, seven, eight thousand out there tailgating and it. If you get a chance to go down there, man, I promise you, you it's going to make it. The first time you went down there, I know you were disappointed because of the weather delays and stuff like that. But if you go down there for the Soul Bowl, man, it's, it's, it's going to be electric, bro. Hey, man, I'm excited. But, hey, Doc, appreciate you calling in, man. No, you good, bro. Seven one six six, you're live. Hey, what's going on, Blue? Can you hear me? Yeah, man, you live, you live, loud and clear. All right, better. So, um, a couple of things I want to get your opinion on. So, um, with the JSU game, all right. Um, I, I got a question for you because um, these past two games they've had a couple of resolutions, nothing necessarily glaring, but. What I don't understand is why don't they use a big lineup in the red zone? Because you got, you know, Quay with his size, you got hooks, you got well, I mean, that's tall. You know, I mean, I, I would think in the red zone you would, you know, use your big guys and they got some speed also. They, I mean, am I tripping, you know what I mean? Like, because I know they want to use Dallas Daniels because he's a dog, but it's just like I would think, you know what I mean, you got length and speed, you would use that to your advantage. Or am I tripping? I mean – I don't think you're tripping. I think it goes back into the fact that Malachi had his off the field issues and and things like that, that didn't allow him to be out there. I think last year, um, uh, what's it called? Um, When Malachi emerged, what was it? The Alabama A&M game. He established himself as a red zone threat, but I would expect later in the season, maybe some more tight end usage, um, some bigger wide receivers, but an underrated aspect of their, um, red zone attack, load the box, and give Savian Wilkerson the ball. And just let him go because there's not many people who are going to want to meet him in the hole and try to stop him. So I think you have a lot of options, but I do agree that I would like to see them utilize some of those taller, longer wide receivers in the red zone. All right, bet, bet. Um, My second thing, um, because, you know, uh, Nugget played this game whatnot. And, you know, I, I really ride with Nugget. But, you know, I think he spoke on on the last show, like, Wiggins has been looking good. And so, you know, with the time that Travis is hurt, you know, I'm expecting, you know what I mean, Nugget to kind of step it up a little bit, you know, show what he can got. So when um, Travis comes back, he's on that opposite side. How much of a leash do you think, you know, Nugget got? You know, because he got to show some, you know, good film just to stay on the field because also Isaiah Bode has been doing good at the nickel spot also. So, I mean, what what's your take on that? Um, let me see. Uh, 
you know, I, I think Nuggets show some rust this game. I think that's fair to say. I think you noticed that um, he hasn't played in a while. I think that's fair. I think you can expect that from most players where if they haven't been on – like, as you – I don't know if you played uh, or how, how deep you played football. Everyone knows there's a difference between in shape and game shape. And I thought you saw right. that this weekend. And I would let Nugget develop a little bit more before we kind of put out a full judgment on him. He'll be fine. But I think you're just going to see um, – Jackson State do what they do with the defensive line, with the wide receivers, with the running backs. They're they're going to rotate. So what they're going to do is I think they're going to use they're going to use Travis a lot. They're going to they're going to put Nugget, Wiggins, Zay in the best situations to succeed. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what situations they excel in. I think they're going to use all those analysts they have. They're going to use the analytics, and what they're going to do is say. When teams want to do this, we need to have four on the field. When teams want to do this, we need to have 12 and five on the field. When teams want to do this, we need to have 23 and four on the field. And so I think it's going to be more of a trying to match personnel rotation than anything in the secondary when everyone comes back healthy. Uh, yeah, I, I can kind of see that. I was just like, just wanted to get your tape because I, I, I haven't given up on them, but I just noticed like, you know, with the amount of talent they got, you know, I just was like, man, I hope, you know I mean, he got another chance to kind of work himself into shape, redeem himself a little bit before, you know, Travis gets healthy and, you know, he may lose his pocket. Like I said, Wiggins is playing lights out. But um, other than that, man, oh, one more thing I want to notice, man, I think Jay Walker be listening to the show because he did all right today. He did all right um, on the game. You know what I mean? He wasn't as bad as he usually was. But I'm going to be that's honest. That's just my take, man. I, I love I the shoe. I didn't want to give him any credit because – I listened to the game on mute, <laughs> so I, I didn't listen to the Jackson State game with any sound. So I can't, I can't vouch for him on that. I, I'm listen. Um, now that I didn't travel, I watched. I tried to watch as many games as possible live. So I only listened to one game with sound, and Jackson State was not that game. So I listened to it without sound. So I can't vouch for my guy Jay this week. Yeah, man. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, man, he, he listened to you, Blue, but, you know, he, he, did, he did a lot better, man. But, hey, like I said, man, appreciate everything you do, man. Keep up the good work, dog. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for calling in. Right. Yeah, listen, I'm taking the Shannon Sharp approach from now on. I'm listening to, like, games without sound. I just want to watch the game and and move on, man. I, but uh, let me get to Chris's comment here. It's been up for a minute. Um, Chris, it is not too early. In my opinion, I said this, and Mr. Campbell and everyone who always tunes into the show can say, I said in the preseason – when everyone was asking me, will the SWAC win an out of conference, an FBS out of conference game this year? I said, no. Next year against Texas State, Jackson State should beat Texas State to death. I'm talking about Incarnate Word Nevada score. I'm talking about Weber State, Utah State score, that 35 7, 55 41, whatever. It, they need to win. I, I think they beat. Texas State next year by double digits. I think when you look at the talent on those rosters, Jackson State has more talent than Texas State right now. And so I think, right, and, you know, I think it's too early to project two years down the line, Chris, because we have no idea of who's going to declare for the draft, who's going to transfer, what coaches are still going to be on the staff. But just in terms of just looking forward to next season, I think it's safe to say Jackson State, is going to give Texas State all they want and more, and I do think that's going to be the first SWAC FBS win 
since what the eighties with uh grambling over Oregon state or something like that. So for me, I think uh, that it's not too early to look ahead to that one. It's probably too early to look ahead um, two years from now because we don't, we don't even know what's, what's going to, what's going to happen um, after next season. Uh, you can't just be the fastest. You have to be smart to cam right a route and jumped in front to secure the interception. You have to be able to quickly read routes and um, pick them up. Man, y'all been listening to Rob J for all these years. Now y'all can't listen to Jay Walker, make it make sense. Listen, this, this Jeremiah, this goes beyond just, listen, everybody has complaints about every announcer. The only, um, not everyone, you you know how it is, man. Listen, I just don't, there's a lot of announcers. I don't like, I go down the list of announcers. I don't like, um, last year was supposed to be the first against ULM. I don't see a team that has a nickel corner that can cover Willie Gaines. That, that might be a fact. I don't know. I'm trying to think of some of the nickel corners around the um around the swag. Now, listen. Alcorn State has some guys in the secondary that are really good. Do not sleep on them, Leo. Um, um, I'm trying to think outside of Alcorn though. Um, outside of Alcorn, maybe not. I'll probably give you that, Leo. Outside of Alcorn, maybe not. Alcorn's got some dogs in the back end, especially at that safety nickel spot. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. That's us. That, that game was a long way away. This upcoming, this upcoming recruiting year end is going to be crazy for JSU. They're going to get even more high recruits. Um, Wiggins got two interference calls during the first quarter. That's why Nugget got playing time. Okay. I, I, I must have, I don't remember all the, the penalties off the top of my head. I'll try to catch up on some of these comments, man. I'm going to roll out of here, man. Over two hours on the um, live stream. Do you see any SWAC West team giving PB defense trouble this year? UIW has a great offense. They played them well. Right now, with how with how some of these teams have looked, I mean, you can make an argument PB's got one of the better defenses in the SWAC right now. Um, Lion, um, I would I would say possibly. I think because uh, you already knocked out Texas Southern. Um, Allcorn's run game is going to be interesting. I think the rushing attack for Allcorn is going to be the biggest challenge for that PV defense. They run the ball extremely well. They have a they have a solid stable of backs um, with, with Nico Duffy, Howard, the Syracuse transfer, and the offensive line does a really good job uh, creating some room in between in between in that tackle box. So I think the rushing attack for Allcorn State will probably be the the one answer there. Miak is going to pass swag. Alcorn used to be DBU. Did not claim anything. I was actually asking an honest question. I must have missed a question. I don't know what question. Um, I'm interested to see how the secondary is going to play out when Shallow comes back. Will he have to earn his spot back or will Coach put him in? He'll. I think he's going to have to earn his spot back personally. I mean, listen, the, some of the DBs on that team have been playing too well, in my opinion, to just insert Shiloh back in there so I, I think well the only thing that's probably going to help shallow is depending on how long um ah it, it depends on how long greats out i think is um going to be how long greats out is really going to determine the rotation of that secondary in my opinion right now that all corn pv game is looking to be the swag the west uh representative that could be especially with how bad southern looked last week I wish Malachi Wobbin will transfer. He would be a beast. Almost all FCS programs. I'm not touching that one. Listen, oh man, I heard a report today in terms of a coaching search that I'm um, not looking forward to break that news when that 
eventually comes out, man. So I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole, man. I <laughs> I kind of save my uh save myself for, for for that. Um, but real quick, man. Um, last week, uh, we we were lucky enough to have a sponsor, man. This week, got another sponsor, man, on the pot on the for the show that I wanted to plug real quick. If I get to y'all's um final comments here, man, let me pull this up real quick. But if you followed me, if you followed me on Twitter. I won you some money this past week, so I, I, I want my credit. And if you if you followed my bets, I got I won you money, man. I won over a hundred bucks this weekend on Prize Picks, man. This show is brought to you by uh, Prize Picks. Listen, if you all first time users that deposit and use the promo code Blue Bloods gets a one hundred percent instant deposit match of a hundred dollars. If you deposit a hundred, they give you a hundred. This is the best way to have action on the games in states like California, Florida, Alabama, Texas, Georgia, operational in over 30 states, man. Listen, you pick two to five players if they if they and you pick if they will score more or less than their prize pick projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry that you make, man. It, sports include NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, NASCAR, MMA, man. Endless. It can be made in 60 seconds or less. Download the app today, man. Play daily fantasy sports using the promo code Blue Bloods, man. Listen, made made a bunch of money last week on this, so definitely go download Prospects in the App Store, man. And use code Blue Bloods, sponsoring our website as well. So definitely got to go check that out. But I want to give Dakobe uh, Duran a shout out too. He was balling out today, balling out today. I, I was really, really impressed with Dakobe Durant. What he had a sack, a tackle for loss, an interception, and and everything like that. So, uh, man, he he played really, really well. And to think Dumas left PV to go to SU, and he's been hurt too, if I'm not mistaken. Man, um, he has not, he hasn't, he hasn't really played these first um, few weeks either. So, I wish people would stop saying that. Did y'all not see that four players, including Evan uh, Evan Stewart, had to sit due to off the field issues? Yeah, man, Texas A&M has um, has a lot uh, going on. Has a lot going on off the field. We'll we'll just say that. Uh, wide receivers, Evan Store, Chris Marshall, along with quarterbacks Denver Harrison. Um, yeah, listen, that that was also that was also one of the players. I don't know if y'all saw posted the Snapchat of him driving the car like a hundred miles an hour in the parking deck. Um, I think that was the Denver Harris kid. Man, you just dumb stuff like that, man, kills me. Like, man, you got all the opportunity, NIL money, scholarships, opportunity to go ball out on the biggest stage, and you're on Instagram Live driving like 100 through a parking deck, man. This is this is dumb stuff like that, man. I, I just don't understand. You got to be smarter than that, especially go, go on Instagram Live and almost hit people with your car in the parking deck. Come on, man. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, let's see, Miak Swack merger. No, nah, man, I don't. I don't think that's. Um, I don't think that's coming down the pipeline. <laughs> Personally, I think Grambling uh, can win the West. They're gonna have to. Uh, they're gonna have to figure out the quarterback position, Khalil. In my opinion, I don't. I don't. When I look at the quarterbacks across that division, um, I, I don't. I don't. Right now, I don't know where Hawkins ranks. So I think the quarterback play is gonna have to going to have to take a step forward and they're going to have to be more balanced and they're going to also going to have to uh, stay healthy too. Washington is going to have to get more carries and he's going to have to be a hundred percent healthy down the stretch that 
Grambling's going to have some really tough games, but is Hawkins going to be the guy that you can depend on in the biggest moment? And that's my question mark with Grambling State right this second. I mean, I think the defense potentially could be there because uh, I don't think they're going to face an offense as good as Jackson State the rest of the season. But um, right now, Grambling, I, I don't think you could put them any higher than fourth right this second. Um, all corns ahead of them right now. Uh, after this weekend, Texas Southern's ahead of them. PV's ahead of them. And I think then you can maybe slide them in Southern. You can de- debate all day on, on that. But I don't. I, right now, I don't think Grambling's the favorite right now in the in the West. We don't want to merge with the swag. We like our conference as is. Yeah, Wobman played. Uh, uh, Wobman played this weekend. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he had a big catch late in the game. But yeah, um, I think Wobman played this weekend. That's at least um, if I remember right, he did. Uh, let's see. Grambling has a good shot to win it. Uh, Coach Morlone always looks out of place when I see him. I'll not be surprised if he takes the first offer. Another two years, you might not have a conference. Jackson State's going to come out of the East. Alcorn State or Texas Southern out of the West. How Grambling is not beating Alcorn, and hell, they might not be TSU. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, I'll say yeah. He got he got the touchdown. That's what I thought. Yeah. So yeah, Kale Lofton, he he definitely played. Not buying Grambling winning the West. That defense isn't as good as years past. They have major QB concerns. Man, okay, I'm gonna end the show with this, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of here. Shane Hooks' catch was legit. That would, I mean, listen, he went up there and snagged it. And you got to give him credit because that was not a great throw by Shador. That was a great play by Shane Hooks. And the fact that he just pawned the ball like that with DBs draped underneath them and everything, I mean, that, in my opinion, um, uh, that, that, that was, I, wait, hang on. I didn't get to watch Sports Center last night. Was that Sports Center top 10? Because it should have been. That easily should have been top five in Sports Center top ten last week. I know the Hail Mary from App State probably was number one just because of the situation, but Shane Hook's catch had to be um, had to be Sports Center top ten worthy, in my opinion. That that had to be Sports Center top ten worthy. I, I retweeted a few. Um, okay, it was number two. I retweeted. Uh, listen, if you go to my Twitter there or go to HBCU Game Days Twitter, I think they had a ridiculous angle of that catch and. It was it was beautiful camera work, man, by whoever um whoever was on the camera for HBCU game day. They did a hell of a job with that shot. Um I was high coming on I was high on Grimley coming into the season. I don't understand the young players. You would think they would learn from players like Henry Rose, Deshaun Watson, um, et cetera. Agree with you on that one. Definitely agree with you. Uh was also number one on You Got Moss. It should have been. That that was easy number one on You Got Moss. There, there shouldn't have even been another option for that one. That, that, that was that was easy, man. But listen, man, get the likes up. We're over two fifty, man. Definitely want to get to um, definitely want to get to three hundred. But listen, I appreciate y'all tuning in. And this this one we had almost four hundred people in here at one point. I appreciate y'all supporting the show and everything like that, man. This thing is growing by the day, and I I can't thank y'all enough for how much support, man. The fact that. We've had DraftKings sponsorships, prize pick sponsorships, um, all the travel and everything that um, I've gotten to do because of you guys, the voting in the top 25, all the awards, man. Appreciate you, uh, appreciate you guys so much for um, 
supporting the show. But listen, this week, tomorrow, I'll be at a bunch of press conferences. I'm, I'm probably going I'm going to try to release more of the press conferences from the swag. I don't want to post one giant, you know, four hour clip of the press conferences. I'm going to go try to cut it up into the important ones. But Dancy's press conference, Coach Prime's press conference, Mainers and Willie Simmons before that um before the FAMU A&M game this week. I'm going to post that one. Definitely going to uh, going to get North Carolina Central Trey Oliver's um, press conference uploaded. So we're going to have a lot more variety of press conferences uploaded this week. Also, if you missed it, Draylon Ellis is out for the next few games with injury. He has a high ankle sprain that he suffered initially against Jackson State. And also on top of that, he re-injured it this weekend against um, – against I believe it was Middle Tennessee State man so hope Draylon Ellis um can recover quickly man but that's a big loss for Tennessee State at quarterback as they enter um as as they enter conference play man so I I, I talked to uh, um Draylon's dad so definitely um definitely want to uh, reach out to them and hope hope he's uh recovering there man but listen until next time guys the blue bloods are out